Blog Talk Radio. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Did I mention I was going to hate all of my pictures? I believe I mentioned that on the last Good. Anyway, y'all know what time it is. We are live. You are listening live to In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Here with you on a Saturday night, September the 8th, 2018. I'm Dre, he's Jay, and my lock of the week has already had a gun put in his mouth and the trigger pulled, so thank you for that Atlanta Falcons. I just, oh, I, I, I don't know how long I, I had that as, like, in my mind, I was going to be like the ultimate week one lock, the Falcons are going to go in and show the, the Eagles that they're not all that, and it was, last year was a fluke, and Nick Foles was a fluke, like, all pretty much all preseason, I was thinking that was what I was going to do, and then they get up there and just cannot get in the end zone repeatedly, just over and over again, and j- just the most aggravating game. Really, a carbon copy of last year's uh, playoff game. It's like nothing changed. Like what the hell, uh, Jay? You you were right there with me on the pick, and you even yeah. told me, you even warned me yeah. about what Elvis. was about to happen. It's a trap. Yeah. You even you you tried you tried to tell me, and I didn't listen. You know, after we both made that pick, and and you know you got the defending world champs, our underdogs at home, and, and everybody. And I, I was even watching on the NBC broadcast. I think five out of their six people who picked the game picked the Falcons. Everybody was all on the Falcons. And and and, and honestly. The defense showed up. That Falcons defense was out there. They were they were doing exactly what they had to do. They did the exact same thing to Nick Foles and the Eagles as they did last year in the playoffs. So everything was going defensively according to the script. But that offense is theirs. I mean, the offense just looked. It was weird watching the tempo of the Atlanta offense. They looked like they were. They were rushing a lot. I saw I saw a lot of a lot I saw a lot of like hurried up play, but it wasn't like ever in sync. It wasn't like they were playing a hurry up offense. Everything looked like they were playing it, you know, like you know, I, I I drive to work and I listen to like podcasts. I do them at one and a half times speed so I can get them yeah. all. You know, you can get more. And that's what they looked like they were doing, but it never really fit the flow of the game. Everything was always like they were running up to the line, they were scampering around. Ryan was taking the snap. He was he was he was dancing. He was looking. The eyes were darting. The, the throws were bad, uh, and they were they weren't terrible bad, but they were a little off. You know, he had a ton of throws to Julio Jones, where if the ball was a a foot to a different direction, then the defender wouldn't have been able to get in there and get the hand on the ball. I mean, so they had the right idea. They were they were doing some things well, but as soon as they got to the red zone, the whole thing chunked up. And what I was really getting annoyed with was when they were getting to the, you know, anywhere between about the 15 and 25 yard line, 
they they didn't take any shots, and that's sort of where you have to go into the end zone against the Eagles. If you get them into those goals, as they found out last year, and as a lot of teams found out, that defense is so good that when you compress the field, it made them better. The Patriots were very similar. We made the same observation about the Patriots last year, about that sort of bend-don't-break defense, and the way to take them out was to get them over the top and, and take some shots. I didn't see the Falcons taking any shots. They were completely content with throwing the ball from the 20-yard line down to the 11-yard line, down to the 9-yard line, and then the next run to the 7-yard line. And there was just nothing where they ever really looked like they were going to take the chance until they got right to the goal line, and then they were going to just completely um, brain fart. I was listening to the broadcast on my way home for that first fourth down stand that the Eagles had, and Boomer Esiason was doing the radio broadcast. I thought he was going to have an aneurysm. Uh, basically yelling at the Falcons, like, why are you taking your best playmaker out of the formations for three straight downs? They, Julio Jones wasn't even on the field because they were going with yeah. the jumbo three tight end packages. But when you do that and you don't even have Julio Jones out there as an option, they can just, they know what's coming. And, yeah, and, and it was not, not only that. No, so the play design, the play convicts, all the same problems they had last year, right? Mm-hmm. And Kyle Shanahan gave Steve Sarkeesian the keys to that offense, and he has crashed the car. Uh, well, that's what drunk drivers usually do, so no yeah, surprise there. <laughs> do you, is it CUI, you know, coaching under the influence now? That's what it looks because like. Because, it, 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 yeah, you've got playmakers, like, like you got more playmakers on that offense than you know what to do with. And they're, they're, it looks like they're playing 1985 offense. They, they are just setting – they're setting that offense backwards. It, it's just plotting. It's, it, it doesn't look like it had the right pace. And a lot of that, too, and I am completely on board with the fact that having those guys not play in the preseason really looked like I was watching a preseason game. I watched a four-quarter preseason game on offense on both sides of the football, and it was painful to watch. It was really bad football. I was not watching a good football game. That was some really bad football thrown in with what twenty three accepted penalties in the game. Oh, it was, it was ridiculous. Just flags all over the place. Every yeah. little thing got flagged, and the Falcons should have somehow adjusted. They knew that the, the referees were out for any little thing, yeah. and, and they never made the adjustment. They just kept making stupid penalties. We had no instances of the helmet rule. We had one uh, flattening the quarterback call, I believe, on Grady Jarrett. I don't know what he's supposed to do. When he, well, you tackle a guy and your momentum is taking you into the quarterback. I guess you're supposed to not fall over when you're driving a guy into the turf. Supposed to levitate uh, over his head. Right. So that also extended a drive. Um, but we spent a whole show and and a lot of the last couple shows talking about this all oh, helmet rule, helmet rule, and we still don't know what a catch is. What is a catch? What is a catch? I have. I. I mean. When they showed the replay on that 52-yard pass from Ryan to uh, Julio Jones that ended up being called incomplete and then upheld, I think just about every person in the in the TV booth, I mean, you had Al Michaels, you had Chris Collinsworth, whoever the hell the guy that they bring in who there's re- who's their ref guy, they're putting it all with all the angles up on the screen going, 
I, I think he caught that. That looks like a catch. He's, he, he's holding onto the ball. Now, granted, it was secured in a funny spot, and he had bobbled it all the way up to a certain point. But then he's basically secured the ball kind of against his shoulder and his helmet, kind of like David mm-hmm. Tyree except laying down. And then he's literally sliding on his butt, and his whole body is inbounds. Yeah. But that's incomplete. But Al, Al Riveron has been scared shitless. He has been – he's had yeah. the fear of God put in him by Roger Goodell, and he's like, I'm not overturning shit yeah. unless there is absolutely no way that, it, that I can get criticized for it. If it's not 110% clear, I ain't overturning nothing. Yeah. So I don't know if that was a little home cooking or somebody got a little, you know, tight in the sphincter and didn't want to make that call. But that looked like a catch. And that was a big non-play for Atlanta. Mm. And that that was their big play at a point when they were still leading the game. I believe they were up 10 to six at that point. They were that, 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 that sequence was the whole game because the next play after that, Matty Ryan succumbs under pressure and just chucks one out of bounds for intentional grounding uh, yes. to ruin the drive. Yeah. Uh, and the next it drive, was bad. Uh, that was terrible too. And, and Philly then gets the ball, uses some short, quick plays. And then here comes uh, Philly special part. Duh. Uh, and, and eventually they go on to, score a touchdown and uh, a guy sticks it in and it, that gives them the lead that pretty much that sequence was the game right there. Yeah. In a game that just wasn't a whole lot of, well, a whole lot of anything special to watch. I, I, I expected better football, but I think that's, that's my fault. That's, <laughs> that's, on me. that's all of our yeah. faults. That is on me. And, and to have Atlanta just continually go down into the red zone and get no points and get no points. Hey, I guess, you know, when you get to the end of the game, I guess that field goal, if they just want to kick the field goal on that first drive, who well, knows where things go from there. Now, obviously, the whole rest of the game isn't going to go the exact same way. Yeah. But the way the whole rest of the game ended up going, not saying you'd have been the exact same score, the exact same scenario, because you can't predict that, because everything then changes instead of a turnover on downs at the goal line. Now you got to kick off, and everything changes from that point. But those three points could have been very valuable, is all I'm saying. It seems to be a, a, a Dan Quinn thing and before that a Mike Smith thing uh, to go for it on fourth down. Yeah. And I like the guts in general, yeah. but when you continuously for years and years can't execute when you no, go for it on is, fourth down, well, something's got to change. The Mike Smith going for it on fourth down was always at weird spots on the field. Like Mike Smith would go for it on fourth down at midfield. <laughs> right. You know. This whole thing of like, yeah, we're going to man up and we're just going to punch this thing. But they they didn't try anything, you know, they didn't spread them out. You know, they didn't put Matt Ryan back there in the shotgun, let them, let, let them, you know, assess the situation. They kept coming out in these jumbo packages and the Eagles were just having none of it. They kept chasing Devontae Freeman backwards. Yeah, not a good game by, by pretty much anyone on the Falcons offense outside of Julio no. Jones. And the Eagles basically won that game by virtue of just sucking less. They were terrible, and then Philly's special part, duh, and from there they just kind of took off, and, and that's they, what really they was did so enough. frustrating. They, they did enough from that point, but that was really it. They, they didn't. Nick Foles played a, a – a, if you look oh, at the stats, was. Nick Foles played a worse game than Matt Ryan. Nick Foles he, he had did. a throw 3.8 yards per attempt, your favorite stat. Yeah, he was awful. Absolutely yeah. awful, and that's what, what that's what you should expect from Nick Foles. But 
Atlanta still can't beat them because when you yep. get to the red zone and you get down to the goal line and you continuously don't get into the end zone, you're not going <laughs> to yep. win. You will and not then you win. Had the, you had that other big sequence after Ken O'Neill uh, blows out his knee, and yeah. then uh, Demonte KZ comes into the game and uh, perfect form uh, helmet to the side, hits Zach Ertz just in the right spot, pops the ball up. Deion Jones grabs the pick, gets that ball into good field position, and the Falcons can't do anything with that either. Nope. So they had every opportunity. And let, you know, if Atlanta's offense was the offense of two years ago, they probably win that game by three touchdowns. Correct. As much but as we make fun of the Shanahanigans, boy, do so, they miss them. Yeah. Now it could just be an Eagles thing, but, yeah, that was – maybe they, the Eagles just have their number, and the Eagles' defense is very good. But that's uh, twice in a row now they've put up 10 against that team. The one old school thing about the offense that I liked was let's take this once in a lifetime uh, talent in Julio Jones and let's keep giving it to him and they making them try to stop yeah. him. Yeah. They did. And beat I, was, him. I was all for that. Yeah. Did you see but, Calvin but again, Ridley? I mean, the ghost. He got popped on his first target, and you didn't hear much anything from him. He was out there. He He was was lining up. He was lining up. I didn't see any balls going his way. Um, You know, know, but everything Matt Ryan did, I don't know if you saw it this way, but everything he did was just a little off. Like there was a third down conversion. There was a third down conversion where he had Austin Hooper wide open, and he threw the ball just just like high enough that the defender could get in there and knock it away. He had multiple mm-hmm. throws to Julio Jones that would have been first down conversions where if the ball was just placed a little better, the defender could and it was, you just kept seeing that he was just, just, just so slightly imprecise. That Matt Ryan it, was, it just, was bad yeah. throwing to anyone but Julio. Yeah. Yeah. But even some of the throws to Julio Jones were just a little off, you know, like that yeah. final play Julio Jones goes up and, and, and catches it, but yeah, you can't He's throw it so that the guy's going to land out of bounds. Yeah. And that's bad ball. So they, they, you know, he made the connection this time, they, you know, but. Right. This time yeah. he caught it. Yeah. It just didn't count at all. But no, if you learn anything from this game, if you're the Atlanta Falcons and you play a team like the Eagles again, is you got to start taking, you got to take your shots from the 20 and 25 and 30 yard line. Whatever it takes, whatever, however you get a chance, when you get that close to the fucking goal line against whatever team, you have to make it count, or else you're 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 pretenders, you're frauds. Right. I mean, their their red zone percentage is just atrocious now. It's so frustrating. Philadelphia played uh, probably a C game, maybe yeah. even lower than that, and were they were the better team again on the field, playing a C game. It, it was just yeah. so aggravating. So that's it for my lock. That's dead. Yeah, uh, your you, lock of the uh, week. You, all the pressure's on me now. I got 15 games to choose from. I guess we might as well uh, get into this thing and see. Because I, I feel I, you, you had no confidence in any of the picks. I have zero confidence. I think week one is going to become like the new week 17 because you just don't know. Teams just aren't playing their guys. How much bad football are we going to watch tomorrow? A lot. Uh, it would seem to be a lot, yeah. Yeah. So actually, I use that premise to inform a lot of my picks. So I'm assuming a lot of bad football. So it'll be very interesting to see if I'm onto something here for like a new week one strategy about, you know, 
how that's going to affect teams because how do you pick games when you just don't know which if the team is going to show up? Is the team that you expect to be good down the road, or is it going to be a team that it's week one, so it's like week 17 all over again now. Just throw everything out the window because it's random. It really feels very random this week. And I tried to fall back on a trend that I discovered last Uh-oh. year that had, had some success. Uh, coaches that are experienced with their team that have been there for a while, <laughs> how do they prepare their teams for one? Some coaches yeah. prepare their teams well and they perform well. Some coaches don't ever seem to have their teams ready to go. So I, I got that back again. Uh, any coach that's been there since at least 2014, so the last four years, uh, of preparation for week one. I got the stats for each coach that's been there that long and how they do. And oh, some boy. of them uh, do well and some of them do very badly. So we'll okay. Uh, we'll try to fall back on that again, see how that works. Uh, before we get to our picks very quickly to the plugs, blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. That's where you're listening to this show live. To listen to it as a podcast, you will go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, search for in much less detail, the podcast. Go to any number of different podcasting sites, podcasting apps, and you can find our work on there, all 280 or whatever plus episodes that we've done over the five plus years that we have been on the air. Our picks after the show is over will be up on our blog, and the blog site is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. Follow me on Twitter at IMLDDre. Follow Jason at IMLDJTG. Email the show with any questions or comments. Send that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. And with that, it is on to the rest of week one, which hopefully goes much better than Thursday night. We'll start our first highlight game going up to the Twin Cities. The Messiah is in the house, and he gets his first test of the new season. That's right, everybody's favorite quarterback, the apparent next Tom Brady, if you listen to certain people, Janine Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers start the year on the road visiting the Minnesota Vikings. This is one of those games where I got a coach that has a record uh, for the last four years in uh, Mike Zimmer, who's been with the Vikings exactly four years now, starting his fifth year. And he's pretty good. The Vikings uh, prepare for week one pretty well. Three and one the last four years against the spread and also straight up. So we'll see how uh, the Shanahanigans and Jimmy Garoppolo do at Minnesota. The spread for this game is, of course, the Vikings uh, coming off a successful year, 13 and three and seven and one at home. They are the big favorites at home. The Niners get six and a half points at the Vikings. Jason, who you got? You know, I'm wondering if this would be bigger if it weren't. Is this still the Jimmy Garoppolo effect? Is is because this this Vikings team is dominant at home. They brought in the the big strong armed quarterback. That offense is just chock full of talent. This is not something that we usually had said about the Vikings for a long time. And uh, they're getting Delvin Cook back. They've got the receivers. Uh, Kirk Cousins in the limited amount of time we saw him in the preseason seemed to have a pretty good rapport with those guys. And you've got Jimmy Garoppolo uh, and guys, their big free agent acquisition uh, to uh, sort of hold down the running back was former Viking, Jarek McKinnon, who who's not Uh-oh. only a starting running back. And now he's, do- he's done. Now he's done. 
uh, you know, so he, he, he's gone. So we're not going to have him. I believe it was a, an ACL. So he's done for the season now before he, yeah, he, before he even got started. And he still is running out George Kittle and, and Marquise Goodwin, but, but it's Jimmy Garoppolo. The difference here for me, and I'm taking the Vikings in this game. I'm going completely against Jimmy. I know I'm going to have to pay my penance, but now everybody's kind of zero and zero. I don't think Jimmy's going to pick up on anybody. This isn't the 110 San Francisco 49s that he took over, and the expectations, I believe, were fairly low. He went on that five-game winning streak, which was great for him in securing the paycheck and doing all that stuff for him in the offseason. But nothing could have been worse for him going into 2018. So I don't think the 49ers are going to sneak up on anybody. Definitely not going to sneak up on one of the best defenses in football. And they might be the best, depending on who you talk to. To me, they're not the best. That would still be the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the Vikings are a, a very solid two or three if you're throwing in like the Eagles with the, a top squad. I don't think Garoppolo is going to get a whole lot in this game. And I think this isn't the place for Kirk Cousins to brain fart yet. This is really more to play with the new toys and get the feel in the offense. I like the Vikings here, Squish. Yeah, they might not be uh, the best defense, but, boy, statistically, it's hard to top them. Uh, second yeah. in the league in rush defense. Second in the league in pass defense. Uh, you'll hear me talk about elite statistics uh, for passing, for running, for offense and defense. Basically, for pass defense, if you, to me, allow six and a half yards or less per pass attempt as a defense, that makes you elite. Minnesota only allowed six last year. They're pretty damn good, as everybody knows. So to think that Jimmy G is going to come in and light them up the way he did those last five games last year, uh, what a task. Go on the road to Minnesota to an elite defense uh, with this pretty much the same crew uh, of, of miscreants and ne'er-do-wells uh, as his targets and, and do the same thing uh, that he did. And it's, it's hard to imagine. Uh, you said that they have to already say goodbye to Jarek McKinnon, uh, rolling with Alfred Morris and Matt Breda as the running backs uh, to try to give Jimmy G some help. That would seem like that's not going to work out well. Then they also are, are also a little beat up uh, on defense already. Uh, linebacker Reuben Foster suspended will not be playing. Malcolm Smith won't play. Uh, this is not the good a good time to have depth in your linebacking core already get tested in week one, but also against Dalvin Cook, who, when he's healthy, uh, proved to be one of the more dynamic running backs in the league. Uh, yeah, everything uh, points to Minnesota. Take anything I say with a grain of salt because I obviously, based on Thursday night, don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I still don't I, I, think we made the wrong pick. That's the trouble with that Thursday night game is we made the right pick. They just didn't show up. <laughs> they were they were right there. They were right there yeah. at the goal line. They had the Every, game. They had the. Oh. They were leading going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. As bad they as that so was, they chances. were still up. Yeah. So many so, chances. Sorry. No, uh, this is also a bad time for Richard Sherman to make his return from injury and try to uh, prove himself yeah. going to the Dome against Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen and, and see what you got in that situation. No, I concur. This feels like uh, 
Viking squish and 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 yeah. early into the Jimmy G love, and we'll, we'll both have to pay penance if he proves us wrong again. You know, and this feels like a game where you're kind of going to be maybe close at halftime. I could see a ten nine or a you know twelve ten, really kind of ugly game at halftime. And I think the Vikings probably come out. I, I think they come out in the second half and just lap them by two touchdowns in the second half. Defense yeah, special I, team. They have all three phases. They can they could they could run pick kicks back and punts back. I mean the Vikings pretty much have it all. Um they're a good team. Yeah, neither one of us picked them to represent the the NFC for the Super no, Bowl, but they are a very I good team. I have one in the division. I do have one in the division. I have going to the title game. Well if the Falcons keep it up, I might be re- regretting not having the Vikings <laughs> in the Super Bowl. But I think Kirk Cousins is just gonna He's going to Kirk Cousins it up at some point. Yeah, eventually, but but not yeah. in this one tomorrow night. No. Or tomorrow afternoon. All right, on to our second highlight game. We'll talk, talk about the Texans and the Patriots. And this game was so much fun to watch last year. So we had the one stretch of abbreviated action for the Messiah, Jimmy G, Janine Garoppolo, that everybody slobbered over at the end of last year. And it almost made – it sounds like it made some people forget about the five-game stretch before that last year that Deshaun Watson had as quarterback for the Houston Texans uh, before he got hurt and ended this season very prematurely. Uh, so that was the first that people were – the first abbreviated action for a quarterback that people were going, whoa, look at this. This is special right here. And then Jimmy G came along and people forgot about it. But part of that stretch that Deshaun Watson had was going up to New England and that awful, awful defense and going back and forth with Tom Brady, which a rookie, any rookie really shouldn't be going head-to-head back and forth with Tom Brady, uh, especially in Tom Brady's house. But Watson was able to do that partially because of how terrible the Patriots defense was, but partially because of how excellent Deshaun Watson had been playing. Uh, And Bill O'Brien just gets a new lease on life as soon as he benches Tom Savage after the first half of football last year and goes to Deshaun Watson. It's like a whole new man, a whole new coach, and a whole new bit of confidence. And then once, of course, Watson gets hurt, it's back to, oh, God, I got nothing at quarterback. So uh, very interesting to see how the Texans come back tomorrow get Deshaun Watson back, to get J.J. Watt on the defensive side back from injury, to get Whitney Merciless back from injury. Uh, They go team up with Jadavian Clowney to form yet another very good defense, one of the more fearsome defenses in football. And they go to New England where Tom Brady will not have his blankie all these years, Julian Edelman, uh, who's been popped for peds and will not be playing, serving a four-game suspension. Uh, With all of that, Houston is still – an underdog, a somewhat significant underdog. It's a six-point spread uh, going into New England. It's not that big of a spread. It's not the biggest on the board. It's actually three games uh, in the sevens and another game uh, close to ten. So it's big, but it's not all that big. Uh, It's still too big for me. I still respect what Deshaun Watson can do in that offense. Uh, He's got Will Fuller a little dinged up already. He's a game-time decision, but that's really not a surprise. What else is new? You, you can't really count on Will Fuller to take the field very often for you. But as long as he's got Deshaun uh, or uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, he, that's, a, that's a weapon. That's a, com- a combination that could be uh, at the top of the NFL as far as quarterback by receiver combos. If, if everything breaks well for the Texans, that's going to be 
one of the premier combos for the next decade. So as long as he's got him out there, things should be all good. Uh, they might be uh, missing Kayvon Webster at cornerback. You need all the defensive players you can get, but I still think they'll be able to cover the spread. Uh, Brady always at the beginning of seasons when he has new supporting characters, when he has new receivers uh, to try to get in sync with, he always seems to struggle anyway. So, uh, and, and this against this particular defense, it's a bad time to struggle with the Texans coming in. Uh, they almost knocked him off last year in a regular season, as I said. So, uh, yeah, Brady just typically struggles early anyway. They should cover the spread. The Texans should give him a fight. Uh, Deshaun Watson should come right back out firing against the Patriots defense. I understand the the Patriots D has new players there. They got some new personnel. I understand the coach uh, from last year, Matt Patricia has moved on and is not there anymore, but uh, you're going to have to prove to me uh, more than one game that you have a much improved defense over last year. Cause last year, what I saw was just completely atrocious. Uh, so I will Pro- I would probably trust the Patriots to win the game because just on, mis- on muscle memory, when it gets to the fourth quarter, Tom Brady just decides, okay, and I, I got to figure out how to win this game, and-, and he seems to usually do that. But for the six-point spread, I would have to trust the Texans. This one, I will take Houston and the six. Yeah, so I think the thing that we you know we remembered how much fun Deshaun Watson was last year and all the points that he was putting up, and, and then just sort of that meteoric rise out of nowhere after the, the, the first half experiment. Was that the Tom Savage for the first half of the first yeah. game? And then they are like, oh, we're done with this guy. <laughs> and then they sat him down and watched him kind of, kind, of muddled ar- yeah, he kind of muddled around in the second half of that game. I think he had a pick. Uh, you know, threw a touchdown and a pick. It didn't look that great. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, here, here we go on a five-game stretch. The trouble was was that the Texans' defense was so racked with injuries. They lost Watt and Merciless both extremely early in the season last year. So even though the Texans' offense was scoring all those points, they weren't necessarily winning games. So they were taking a lot of teams to the brink. That, that shootout that they had up in Seattle, I believe they ultimately ended up losing where Russell Wilson got the best of it. They did the same thing up in New England. I believe they ended up losing that game. So – great performances, but sort of overshadowed by the fact that the defense just wasn't there. The same reason I'm taking the Texans with you is this year, they get to go up there with the offense and they get to go up there with the defense. So as long as the Texans defense is healthy and they have Deshaun Watson and all those playmakers on offense, I love them with the defense. So how long can the defense stay healthy? We don't know. Can JJ Watt bounce back? You know, Merciless is there. You said they brought in Clowney, but as long as they're all out there and they're playing, it's going to be a nightmare for Tom Brady. We know Tom Brady do not does not like teams that can get pressure on him without having to blitz. If if the Texans cannot get pressure with those guys, they got issues. I mean, those are those are three top tier grade A playmakers uh, that could be coming in and going after Tom Brady. And yeah, Tom Brady does struggle early in seasons. This has become a growing trend with him where we get into week one, week two, and it's what's wrong with Tom Brady, you know? So it takes them a little while to get into a rhythm. Having no Edelman isn't going to help. They do have Gronk back, but you know, I think Houston's defense, Houston's defense was, was good enough to go up there two years ago, two seasons ago and win. If they just had the quarterback, I think in this game they will prove that they can go up there. And I'm, not, I'm with you. I don't think this is necessarily a win, 
but I definitely like taking the points. And I wouldn't be shocked if they won. I mean, it, I'd be mildly surprised, pleasantly surprised even, but if they could go up there and because there's nothing better than that that whole week of hand wringing that we'd have to hear in the media all week long, right? Oh, what's wrong with Tommy? You know, yeah. So that that would be great. I'm not sure we're going to get that, but the Texans just by hanging close, I think, could also do enough damage to that too. And yeah, I have I don't know what to expect out of this sort of new look Patriots defense without the coach, with some of the new players that they bought in. And sometimes when you bring in those new players, it doesn't gel right away in the first game. So yeah, this is a ripe spot for Houston. This is a great game. It's a great matchup. I'm glad yeah, the is- uh, local game here tomorrow is at 7:20 because the Packers Bears is tomorrow night. So I'll get a whole lot of red zone action tomorrow. I am very looking forward to it. I'm sure you are. Yeah, this is probably the best chance the Texans could have to beat the Patriots. The best chance anyone could have to go in there and beat the Patriots right now in week one before Brady gels with Chris Hogan and Phil Dorsted and whoever the hell else yeah. they're running out that, that receiver up, up there. I don't yeah. even know whatever, who whatever running backs they have back there, the sort of five-headed monster of just guys that they'll have back there. Rex, Rex Burkhead. Burkhead and James White. James White's legitimate, but he's like a third down, you know. But these guys, they don't really have a running back. Deion Lewis is gone. Remember Jonas Gray came in and ran for 200 and got cut? Yeah, got cut. <laughs> cut the next week or something because he was late to a team meeting or some BS. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, whoever they can find off the street, that's who they run. Yeah. So I'm with you. Kumbaya. So far, that's not good. You don't want to be kumbaya with me. I'm the kiss of death. <laughs> Let's see what happens your in our third. I still have a lock in my pocket. That you do. Uh, you cannot lose the lock with me. That was that, That's all me. You did not lock it in, so you definitely, uh, if you lose that, that's all on you. The uh, third highlight game, we're going to go out west and talk about the Chiefs and the Chargers. Uh, it should be an interesting battle in the AFC West. Uh, always fun when those teams get together. It seems like all four of them don't like each other. It's just different levels of acrimony. But Chiefs and Chargers, uh, we got the new blood coming in with uh, Pat Mahomes, a quarterback for the Chiefs, going against old man Phillip Rivers and the L.A. Chargers. I still want to call them San Diego Chargers. Uh, favored by some to win the West, favored by, as you were telling me before the show, uh, favored by some to even be the AFC representative, perhaps, and make it all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm not seeing a whole lot of New England love. Yeah, I saw Good. one. I saw one on the NFL Network where the guy picked uh, Eagles, 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 Patriots. I'm like, wow, did he think really long and hard about that one? You know, <laughs> I love it when you get the person who picks the exact same matchup that you had the year before. And no creativity, but you know whatever yeah. appears to him. Is, yeah. is, well, is well they were good. Be. They were the good teams last year, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so what do we got here? We got uh, the Clippers or th- what? Three and a half. Uh, where you have do the I hook have? on yours. I have the hook on I do. mine. Okay, I do. so you got the yeah. So the Clips are minus three and a half. So I, you know, the th- and this wasn't one that I got too deep in because I I, I will say. Patrick Mahomes played really well in that week 17 game and he played really well in the preseason 
And I, I am completely on board that you have the right philosophy, that that is a team that is littered with playmakers. Completely, I mean, Tyreek Hill, tight end, the running back. I mean, you, so you've got every level, you've got somebody who is one of the best at their position in the league. That's the best guy. I mean, Tyreek Hill, nobody jumps out and goes, Tyreek Hill is the best wide receiver in football. But there are a lot of people mm-hmm. like, if you said playmaker, yeah, he's a, he's have a positive impact on the game, whether it's in the kicking game, whether it's just going deep. I mean, he or if it's in the running game, the way he's been utilized. And we're going to see if, if Andy Reid sort of has the sort of mad geniusness now that now that, you know, the Novocaine offense with Alex Smith has, has moved on to Washington. Is Patrick Mahomes going to sort of be like that new sports car with the big arm and he's going to go out there and not be afraid to use it? Um, I'm taking the Chiefs and the points here, and I wouldn't be completely stunned if the Chiefs won this game. Uh, the main thing for me is I don't like the fact that Joey Bosa's nicked up. You know, they've got the two-headed rushing attack coming after the quarterback, but if Bosa is limited, he's got a foot, so that means he if he can't plant, if he can't push off, if he doesn't have the he's whole out. Thing, if he doesn't have the, he's out. Okay, so I saw he's questionable uh, when I just looked at it, so. If he's been ruled out, I knew it was questionable when I looked at the injury report. So he's out. I feel even better about my Chiefs pick because you can't push off of a foot when you're sitting on the bench. You don't have to worry about that at all, right? Or if he's on the sideline, right? Stunning analysis like that anywhere but here in much less detail. Hey, (laughs) you could you could take that right downtown and print it. There you go, even a little Elia yeah. in our football pick yeah. show. So, so no, no Bosa. They can focus all the attention on the other side, and that'll just give Mahomes more time. They can run the ball more freely, make more plays. Even though I do like the Clippers in the long term here, I can't stop not calling them the Clippers. Even when I'm looking on the things and it says LAC, come on, it's perfect. Yeah. I was really getting mad today. I was like, I can't find the spread on that game because I was looking for SD. <laughs> well, I wanted to see the injury reports and everything. You know, I actually looked at injury reports, so now I'm totally screwed on my picks. Um, but the Bosa one is big. That that allows the Chiefs to do more. I I'm actually thinking with him completely 100 percent out. I, I I got the Chiefs straight up. They'll win the game. Uh, it's the uh, one matchup where both teams' best defender is out in week yeah. one. So that's, that added a layer of intrigue to me to the game uh, because yeah. Eric Berry also is not back yet from, from injury for the Chiefs. They thought they'd have him back by now, but he's not going to be able to play either. Uh, but, yeah, sneaky, uh, interesting matchup between the, the high-powered uh, Clippers defensive backs and new quarterback Pat Mahomes. Uh, how much of Andy Reid's prep will – get him ready for, for such a tough test. Uh, we'll have to find out. I was actually, Andy Reid was one of the, the coaches that was top of mind when I thought about this trend that I, that I was looking up coaches that have experience with their current teams and how do they prepare in week one? I was wondering if he was going to be one of those, I guess I was expecting him to always have his teams ready for week one. He's such a meticulous coach, 
but it's not uh, it's not a slam dunk. They're only two and two uh, against the spread the last four years in week one. So, uh, and now we have the brand new quarterback making his first start as the official uh, starter, the first week one start of his career. Of course, we talked about the start that he had week 17 of last year, but this is a different animal, the pressure, the expectations and all of that uh, to go into the Clippers, the, the Chargers as good as their pass defense was last year. One of the elite pass defenses, uh, six and a half yards per uh, attempt. That's all they gave up. Uh, that's asking a lot. So I picked the Chiefs to win the division, but I'm going to give them the L on the very first game because I think that's a little too tough of a, a task to go out to the Chargers and, and win this game. Uh, you would think that Andy Reid would lean on Kareem Hunt to be the playmaker against such a bad run defense that the Chargers have that I talked about on the, on the uh, AFC preview show that they gave up almost five yards a carry. But this is where Andy Reid, this is why Andy Reid has no rings, because sometimes he gets a little too cute and doesn't do what he's supposed to do to win games. You, you would think you'd see a lot of Kareem Hunt. You'd think he'd get 25 carries uh, against uh, that run defense with Tyree Kill thrown in for you know three or four reverses or, or pitches or something like that. But I got a bad feeling. I bet Reid tries to get a little too cute and tries to have Pat Mahomes show his arm and show his passing prowess so that Andy Reid can show his geniusness at, at coaching up the new quarterback. It's a little too early for that. It's too soon for that. So uh, I'm going to have the, the Chargers win the game, cover the three and a half. The hook scares me, of course, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and take them anyway. I just got a feeling that the, the Chiefs are going to sort of chief and Andy Reid's going to outcoach himself. Okay. And, you know, and they, they, last, last year they went and they, did the, they, they pulled off the big blowout win in New England. Um, but we'll, oh, the we'll, we'll Niner, yeah, yeah, that was that was the what's wrong with Tommy, you know? <laughs> that was that game when Alex Smith looked like he was going to be MVP. Actually, Alex Smith after like the first four games was getting MVP talk, and then that shit stopped quick. Yeah, I don't. I, we didn't hear much of that after. Yeah. After then Alex Smith woke up and went, "Wait a minute, I'm <laughs> Alex Smith." Yeah. So, all right, hey, we disagreed finally <laughs> for one game. So but we far, have a yeah. lot more. Lo- and it's funny because the pick. team that we both have winning that division, we picked against in week one. <laughs> See, and that's how it's supposed to work. That when you're trying to be realistic and break these games down, you can't yeah, just you take just go, the team I love that you these, like yeah. and just have them run out and win every game. Right. <laughs> if you think a team is going to start zero and one and that blows up their chances to win the division, <laughs> you're in trouble. Yeah, that's definitely not going to disturb their chances if they really are as good as they as they, as we yeah. think they will be. All right, ready for the rest of the schedule in even less detail. Yeah, we got rapid fire. We got 11, 11 games, 12 games left to go through in 18 minutes. We can do this. You heard about the uh, weather that's going to apparently be affecting Cleveland, Ohio tomorrow. Uh, but we got some rain. Severe rain and wind. Uh, awesome. Whatever the uh, over-under was apparently dropped at least five points over the last couple of days <laughs> just based on the weather forecast. So it's supposed to be like nice. crazy out there. Yeah. So with that in mind, Big Ben and the Pittsburgh Steelers come into Cleveland uh, for the second year in a row to open the season. Uh, of course, Le'Veon Bell, that whole storyline, uh, he's out. He, he still hasn't reported to the team. He's, he's going to sit out and lose his, his game check and – that holdout will continue. So James Conner is 
And Cleveland, of course, going with Tyrod Taylor now as their new quarterback, their 90th new quarterback in the last uh, three years or whatever. Uh, uh, that line that you were talking about uh, a couple of days ago on our AFC preview show, that still stands at the moment. Pittsburgh is still a four-point favorite at Cleveland. Yeah, you know, and what, what would what if you got a weather game? What sure would come in handy? Hmm, like a oh, really yeah. good running back, the best running back <laughs> in football. I'm taking. Hmm. I've got the Brown Fever here. I'm taking the Browns of the points here, just because the okay one. The Browns played Pittsburgh. I want to say pretty tough both times last year, and Mike Tomlin cannot get out of his own way when it comes to coaching down to the level of his competition. I would not be stunned if, if Cleveland won. I wouldn't be stunned if they won the game, but I think they will hang in tough for the whole game. And, uh, you know, I think that weather could be that mitigating factor. It's gonna If it's as bad as they're saying and it completely negates um, any kind of like a deep threat passing game where Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster sort of become a little bit more marginalized because of the weather, I'm going to go with the team that has the quarterback that at least has got some wheels. You know, so not only so you've got Tyrod Taylor as well, and then you've got the, the the sort of three deep rushing attack that Cleveland can throw at you too, where they've actually got Nick Chubb like third on the depth chart right now. Uh, they can run, and uh, and that Pittsburgh defense, like you said, has not been the same since Ryan Shazier left. So their defense, their run defense especially, is going to be pretty atrocious as well. Uh, I, I would be shocked if Cleveland's trying the upset. So give me the Browns. Yeah, and even a couple more factors. Uh, Cleveland has an, an elite run defense that they can bring to the game. Uh, yeah. They only gave up 3.4 yards per carry last year. So I don't see James Conner uh, exploding and, and putting Le'Veon Bell's job in danger or anything like that, at least not not yet. Um, and my little stat about coaches, how they prepare their teams, Mike Tomlin doesn't get the Steelers ready very well in week one. They're only one, two, and with a push. Uh, one, two, and one against the spread the last four years. So I agree. I'll take the the Browns to hang close. I wish that spread was as big as I thought it was going to be around seven yeah, or so. Yeah, eight or nine would have been nice. Yeah. Yeah, but of course, Bell sitting out uh, affects that greatly as well. Yeah. Uh, Bengals and Colts. Uh, Andy Dalton against mm. the returning Andrew Luck. His first game in many, many moons. Uh, and we got Vontez Burfick suspended already. Look, it's a Vontez Burfick suspension. It's just, the, the season isn't official until there's a Vontez Burfick suspension. Uh, Cincinnati is the dog in this one, two-and-a-half-point underdogs at Indianapolis. Now, I'm going to take the Bengals here. I mean, I know it's Andrew Luck, and he's coming back, but they didn't really stock the cupboard for him. He doesn't have a whole lot of weapons, and if there's one thing that we know that the Colts cannot do, it stopped the run. They have been an, a terrible run defense, even all the way back to when they won the Super Bowl, and maybe even before that, like all the way back through the Peyton Manning. They just the run. If Joe Mixon is the, is the truth, like everyone seems to think he is, uh, he's going to have to prove it here. And if he can't do it against this run, D, I don't know who will, but I, I'll take the Bengals as, as the underdog. I concur for a little different reason. A lot of season previews have talked about Andrew Luck maybe not having that much success because of the fact that India has not stacked up the talent on the offensive line to protect him. He's going to get hurt again, according to a lot of people. And the first game uh, against uh, the first game for Andrew Luck coming back is against Geno Atkins and the Cincinnati Bengals uh, defensive line might be one of the 
best defensive lines in the game. Welcome so. back, Andy. Yep, have fun. Um, and he looks like he's going to have to go with a rookie uh, at running back, Jordan Wilkins, because Marlon Mack is hurt. O-line's banged up and not very good. I'll, I'll take Cincy to win that game as well, and, and we'll both enjoy the two-and-a-half-point spread, although that's not very many points. But basically, uh, almost like a pick em, but we'll both take the Bengals there. Tennessee and Miami, the Titans, a playoff team last year, as we both predicted. Uh, but I got them taking a step back this year, and you got them winning the division. So very different paths on that one. How will they start off in week one? They are a one-point favorite only, so basically like a pick them at yeah. the returning Ryan Tannehill and the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, the Dolphins get Ryan Tannehill back in a whole, and not a whole lot else. I mean, I don't even know how good I expect him to be. I think the Titans have shored up their – the sort of woeful pass defense. I talked about that in the season preview. They were pretty weak on the back end. They brought in a couple of good free. They brought in Malcolm Butler, Kenny Vaccaro, kept the guys they had that were pretty good. So I don't think they're going to be that vulnerable. And they wouldn't be that vulnerable to Ryan Tannehill in that Miami pass offense anyways. I think uh, Derrick Henry does what he does. He he carries the mail all game long. And at one point, that's like a pick to me. I'll take the Titans to, to squeeze one out here. I think it's low scoring, and the Titans win by maybe a field goal. One of the few veteran weapons behind, still left behind for Tannehill, is Devontae Parker. He's not going to play. So Tannehill, Tannehill has to go out there basically with Kenny Stills and guys uh, against that new look, revamped, and maybe very drastically improved Titans pass defense. I still am down on the Titans for the season, but for this game, I will concur, and I will take Tennessee down yeah. on South Beach. Buffalo and Baltimore, the team that tried to lose and made the playoffs anyway, the Buffalo Bills. Here's how people respect them. Here's how much they respect them and Nathan Peterman. Seven and a half point underdogs to a team that didn't make the playoffs last year, Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, the last time we saw Nathan Peterman playing meaningful NFL football, I believe it was five interceptions in the first half. It's the only football he's ever played. So of course they're going to beat the Ravens. I've got the Bills. Oh God! Don't because do that that's to me. just so Ravens. Oh no! There's another team that I love, the Ravens. I have them winning the division in an upset over the Steelers. Uh, so to take them to do anything but squash Nathan Peterman and the Buffalo Bills, this is a, an incident where I know that you're not supposed to just go with whoever you love in Week One, but. <laughs> I can't go against the Ravens against Nathan fucking Peterman. I can't That's do why it. My God. You feel really, really scared. I think you just got the pit in your stomach because you do Aye. now realize that that would be just like the Ravens below really this was. one. And I get a seven and a half point cushion to play with. Yes, you get a hook. Uh, and I'm not, I was scared anyway. Uh, Flacco and his new receivers, I've, I've talked about how oh, I yeah. like the new veterans he brought in, yeah. but that connection may get delayed tomorrow because that's a very good secondary that they're playing. It is a good uh, defense. I mean, the, Bills, the Bills got to the playoffs mostly on the strength of their defense. Yeah, so it, might, it should be a very low-scoring game. I love the under, yeah. I'll say that. Um, but I can't. I have to take Baltimore because I can't imagine Buffalo scoring more than seven points. Uh, all Baltimore has to do is score like sixteen, yeah. and that'll, that'll I'll work. Take 13, I'll take thirteen. I'll take seven. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, but you, I'll call the that. win just because that would be so Ravens. <laughs> it really would. 
Jacksonville and the Giants, how impressive was the Jaguars' defense last year? Almost led them to the AFC title. And the Giants, there's a lot of storylines in this one. The Giants with uh, Odell Beckham back for Eli Manning, the rookie running back Saquon Barkley. They'll be ready for the Jaguars, and the Jaguars are still a big favorite. Well, not big, but three points on the road is kind of big. Jacksonville giving three at the Giants. That's yeah, a six-point swing over what you would normally see. A lot of love for the Giants going into this matchup. All oh, Eli Manning, he's got the running back, and he's got Odell Beckham. And, and, and people seem to forget Eli Manning is trash. <laughs> and he's going up against the number one pass defense from last year in football. And it's not like they lost everybody. This Jacksonville defense is going to go up there and play against a quarterback and Eli Manning, who just loves to turn the ball over, loves to force the ball into spots, loves to just like get when he gets hurried, the thing just kind of pops out of there because he doesn't know what to do, and he will just throw it up. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars pick off Eli Manning four times. Ooh. Lock it up, Jaguars. Swoosh. Wow. All this Giants love is just making me sick. The Jaguars can't score on – the Jaguars just can't score points. The Jaguars scored 400 points last year. And it's funny. Those two quarterbacks, they're both heckle and jide. It's like yeah. which erratic quarterback is going to show up for either team, yeah. Blake Bortles and Eli Manning. Um, yeah. That, that's when I gave the Jekyll and Hyde Award last year. I was looking at some of the games – that Blake Bortles had, and I couldn't believe it. He had a few 300-yard efforts last year. Oh, sure. Nobody expected them, and nobody knows where they came from, and he's just as liable to do that again this year against some teams, and the Giants are a good team to do it against because they can't stop anybody right now. Uh, They they at least had a pass rush, but Olivier Vernon was the best part of that. He's not going to play tomorrow. He's already hurt. Uh, So everything sets up for for the Jags. Uh, the, The Erratic quarterback that goes down is more likely the one facing the more animalistic pass rush. And the Jaguars have an animalistic pass rush. So I concur with you. I will definitely take Jacksonville and give the three. And I, I, I wish I could lock it up, but obviously I can't do that. Thank you, Matt Ryan. I have heard, I have heard so much pain in your voice on every pick. You're making probably five picks already where you're like, God damn it, I wish I could have oh. locked this one up. Grr. I've heard it several times today. Like, you just wish there were games that you could have locked up. (laughs) Speaking of. This is the one I picked. Speaking of wish you could lock it up, the Buccaneers and the Saints is the biggest spread of the week. So a lot of people would want to lock this one up. But Tampa Bay with uh, the the socialist quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, giving away turnovers to everybody. Turnover Bernie Sanders. Uh, going to New Orleans. Tampa, of course, is a big underdog. It's a nine-and-a-half-point spread. That's not enough. I mean, <laughs> it's definitely not enough. This feels like 34-10 to 10 all day long. I, this is going to be ugly from, from the kickoff. Uh, the Saints squish. I was feeling like that all week. But Sean Payton's one of those coaches that doesn't prep his team for week one. Uh-oh. 0 for the last four years against the spread and straight up. The Saints oh. are usually lollygagging in week one. I'm going to, I think the Saints would still win the game because I can't imagine Brian Fitzpatrick going into New, New Orleans and beating Drew Brees. Yeah. 
I'll take the points, though. I'll take wow. the Buccaneers and the points. Last year in week one, wasn't that when they were trying the whole Adrian Peterson thing, though? Oh. Yeah. yeah him and Sean Payton staring at each other and yeah. staring daggers into each other. They don't have running back that they need to try to, like, shoehorn into this game tomorrow, because then I'd feel really weird about this pick. But, no, I think that they're loaded. They're going to squash these guys. They don't have that this year. I don't know what their excuse was the three years before that, but they didn't win then either. Washington and Arizona as we move on to late afternoon action. The Skins with Alex Smith under center now are two-point underdogs at the new-look Arizona Cardinals. With Sam it's another Bradley. one of those. Yeah, it's another one of those matchups where I like Arizona. It's kind of like a sneaky team, even though I do have the Redskins making the playoffs. So again, I'm going against one of my playoff picks because I think as long as you have health, I like Arizona's chances. But Arizona's long-term health, Sam Bradford's going to get hurt. We all know that. David Johnson's, uh, you know, back. But is he going to be effective right out of the shoot? Everybody coming back. Just sort of lines up for me like this is going to be maybe one of the best Arizona, maybe the best Arizona could look this year, and this can slowly go downhill after this. But I like Arizona here at home to get the win with a fairly, you know, gifty feeling spread too. Well, some could argue that hey, Adrian Peterson is at his freshest because it's Week One. Will he make? <laughs> he a is. Yeah. Uh, I'm not one of them because, as I said. Jay Gruden has seemed overwhelmed by this job from day one, and he also, like John Payton, does not prepare his team for week one. He is also 0-4 against the spread and straight up the last four years. I'll take Arizona's squish. And God, I wish I could lock that one up, too. Ah. Moving on to Seattle and Denver. 9-7 and Seattle and 5-11 and Denver, but a lot of moving parts, a lot of different players uh, since last year ended. Uh, the Seahawks are the cop-out line three-point dogs at the Broncos. Yeah, and, you know, Earl Thomas is back. They're going to plug him in back there. Probably not a guy who needs a whole lot of, like, studying the playbooks or needs a whole lot of film. He's just going to go and do what he does and try to be that heat-seeking missile and go destroy um, whatever Denver can throw out there. I- I'm really interested to see. I don't know what we're going to get with Case Keenum here. So this is sort of that pick I'm making where, you know, it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. I'm going to take Russell Wilson and the Seahawks just because I have no fucking clue what I am <laughs> getting getting out of Case Keenum in that Denver team. No clue. I got to see something before I start making picks on this Denver team. But, yeah, give me the Seahawks just because I, I know who they are. No, I understand that. Um, and I – like Seattle in the season a little better than most people because of uh, Pete Carroll sort of rallying yeah. the troops. But week one with Shaquem Griffin, the rookie, uh, linebacker Trey Flowers, a rookie, a cornerback, uh, K.J. Wright is out. Uh, new O.C. Brian Schottenheimer, we know he's not going to go for uh, a throw from the one-yard line. At least we know that much. But the first game he gets out is at at Von Miller and the Denver defense, that seems like a little much for me. So I will take Denver and give the three. Uh, ooh, we got 90 seconds for four games. Yeah, we're going to – let's go into the after show, folks. Well, let's get the pick. Let's do what we did for the uh, season ah, review. Let's rapid get the fire. In and then discuss some more uh, in the after show. Yeah, Dallas plus Dallas plus two and a half at Carolina. I have got the Panthers. 
I also have the Panthers in that one. Sunday night football, we'll definitely get into this a lot. The Packers-Bears rivalry. Chicago is a seven-point dog at Green Bay. I'm taking the Bears and the points. Oh, my. God, I wish I got that one up, too. Monday night football, the doubleheader. Uh, New York Jets and Sam Darnold, seven-point dogs at the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I'm going to take the Lions here and give the seven points. I like everybody is taking the Lions. I'm going to take the points. I'm taking the Jets. You know I like oh. Sam Darnold. And, and, yeah, uh, you do. I'll, I'll take those points. He's going to have and fun the, throwing himself. And the goofiness of the late Monday night football game. This year it's the Los Angeles Rams visiting the Oakland Raiders. Rams are four-point road yeah. favorites. Weird shit always happens in that second Monday night game. I got the Raiders to win. Yeah, I figured you would. I'm going to buck the trend. The weirdness will be in the first game with the Jets. Ah, and now into the VIP after show. I'll take the Rams and give the four in the uh, in the second game. Yeah. Some some calmness to restore itself after the, the Jets actually compete in the, you know, in the early I'm, I'm just not going to be shocked that I'm going to wake up that I'm going to wake up on um, t- Tuesday morning because I'll be asleep. I'm not watching this shit. <laughs> I'll be asleep. I'll wake up on Tuesday morning and be just like when I watched that Minnesota San Francisco one and I'll just reach over and, and grab my phone and look at the score and be like, yep, nailed it. You know, <laughs> All of a sudden, you'll see, like, Oakland wins, like, 23-21 on some bizarre, like, last-second field goal, like a 56-yard field goal. You know, the guy has to kick it, like, off the diamond. Yeah. (laughs) Just something really strange is going to happen to the Rams. Someone's going to get hurt. There's going to be a fluky turnover, stupid penalty. It's it's just that second Monday night game. It's just the – you know, you get, like, the B-team announcing crew – Nothing ever feels right about that game. That was always like the Berman game, wasn't it? Right. Right before he retired yeah. and yeah. now it's Beth Mullins and Rex Ryan, I believe. Oh, oh uh, Yeah. So less reason now even less reasons to watch. <laughs> uh yeah, Aaron Donald might get three penalties for landing on the quarterback's foot by accident. <laughs> Although I'm off work Tuesday, so there's a there's a slim chance I may want to. I'll probably make it till halftime, you know, about eleven o'clock. Well, the key will be even how though, much of how much of the Jets and Lions you take in because that'll put you to sleep. If you can I'll, find I'm something to do work. other, right? Okay. So the kickoff kickoff is at six. So I'm I'm into that game through at least into the third quarter probably halfway through the third quarter before I have to leave work. Cause I, you know, I get off work around eight. So I'm going to catch, even though it'll be on in the background of, I mean, if I'm busy at work, I'm busy at work, but you know, I'll, I'll be at work. So it'll be on, it'll be in, it'll be background, but if it's not busy, I'm sure I'll have some eyes on it. Um, you might want to have I'll, a baseball I'll, game on instead. Cause if you catch I, any of the yeah. jets lions, that might just ruin your football. Yeah, enjoyment I'm, I'm, I'd rather, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch uh Reds Mets. That'll be more exciting, <laughs> I think. The 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 Jets uh, than Jets and and uh, I was gonna say Tigers, uh, Lions, Jets and Lions. <laughs> or turn it's on like, Monday Night Raw or something. Something, yeah. No, I, I'm not. That, I, I know you like Sam Darnold, so I'll be interested to see what he can bring. I just think he's got nothing around him, absolutely nothing. And Detroit's pass defense isn't the worst. It's not that good. 
It's not very good, but they have a few playmakers back there. They like Darius Slade. They have a few guys back there who can make some plays. Against a rookie quarterback, you don't have to be that good, especially a rookie quarterback who has no weapons. Well, for me, I think the key is, yeah, they got guys that will take advantage of bad throws, and and a rookie quarterback would be more likely to make bad throws and and mistakes than a veteran quarterback. But I think Sam Darnold is the the type of careful rookie quarterback that I think that's the reason he's got the starting gig is because he takes care of the football. He's not going to be throwing it up wildly like a lot of other guys are. Sure. I think that's the key to it. And I don't want to discount the other side because Matthew Stafford's a pro. <laughs> you know, yes. and, and the Jets defense doesn't scare me either. No, they're, they're not scary. But, uh... Yeah. So, that's a, that's, and that's not one of my – that's not a marquee matchup at all. This, that, that's, a, no. that's a very unexciting game. I don't know how that got slated into a primetime position, but – yeah, okay, gotta, I guess every, everybody gets one. Well, uh, you know, the, the Monday night, uh, the, the split is pretty easy to figure out. They have to find yeah. an, any East Coast game for the yeah. for the early one. So any team is liable for that. And then any West Coast game uh, is right. for the late game. So it's just, it's just a matter of which ones they want to figure out. At least for the late game, they got two West Coast teams playing each other. I, right. That's one of the big reasons I hated that uh, when Minnesota went to to Jim Tom Sula and got shut out. Because uh, <laughs> you're sending a team from the central time zone out there to yeah. play a game that started at like 9.30 their time. That's yeah. not fair. They, have, they expect, no. expect them to be up at midnight playing their best? That that just wasn't fair to me. So hopefully they'll keep putting both West Coast teams in that late game. I think the game you're aching to talk about is that Bears Packers Sunday night game, which I, I was, we were, I, I don't think we were really far away. That one was sort of, I think, on the outside looking in as far as like being a highlight game. But I just don't think we wanted to shoot, blow our wad yet, like so early in the season, you know, and show a little of our, you know, North Division homerism. Right. That That's exactly it. Is that I think most of the country doesn't care that much about it because it's Mitch Trubisky. Um, right, but and it's two teams that were really bad last year. Yeah, well, there's always the Aaron Rodgers love, so now right. he's back. So that that's that's I think that part is interesting nationally, but I don't think the Chicago part is interesting at all. But no. but they they have a chance to make their impact. They have a chance to make people respect them and take notice of them uh, right off the bat on on the opening night. And I just love that. You know, Aaron Rodgers, hey, welcome back from injury. Uh, get back out there, and here's Khalil Mack for you. Have fun. Yeah, here's Khalil Mack added to a team that had a top 10 defense last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, and didn't really uh, lose new... guys. That that defense just – No, they're you, so you, young. No. Yeah. Yeah, you basically – you take a player in his prime who – he didn't need any time to work with the team. You're going to probably see him mostly in long down and distance situations or third down situations where the job is basically, hey, Khalil, go get that 12 guy. That's the situation that you're going to see him in the game. So the only the, the Packers' remedy to that is going to be short down and distance, <laughs> move the chains, you know, don't put yourself in a lot of like third and 18s you know, ridiculous scenarios, but the pack, the Packers have zero running game. So the the running game is going to have to be the short passing game. So that's going to have to be Aaron Rodgers. Basically their, their, their running game is going to be uh, Jimmy Graham 
and Mercedes Lewis and a lot of these big jumbo formations I think you're probably going to see out of them where they're going to run these two tight ends out on the field. But the whole point of that is, and the reason I took the Bears and the points, is that's just going to – this game is just going to get ground to a halt. The Packers' yeah. scoring drives are going to be like 16 plays, 57 yards that end in field goals. The high-flying Packers offense does not seem to be uh, – it seems to be on sort of its, its last legs almost. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers is going to be getting that ball out quick. He doesn't. He's not going to want any another repeat of, uh, you know, getting that collarbone laid on at all. So I have a feeling that the you know short routes, you know, guys just kind of flashing over the middle, using the big body tight ends, and moving the ball and moving the chains that way. A lot of five yard passes, seven yard passes, and your favorite stat yards uh, per attempt. Aaron Rodgers has been in significant decline over the last several seasons. Oh yeah, the the bomb to. Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and Devontae right. Adams, they, they are fewer and far between than ever. Seems and, like he almost the, doesn't try him until it's one of those, uh, he, he does the hard count, catches the team offside, <laughs> and has a free play. It just took the words out of my mouth. It's like if they're, basically, I was making fun of the Packers the last about you know season and a half because the observation that I had made is if he didn't, if, if he couldn't get the teams to jump, they had no deep, they had no offense. The whole offense was predicated on him catching another team with 12 men on the field or getting the team to jump and then just using the free play to take a chance. Without that, everything was just like really just kind of plotting and boring. And it all goes back to the fact that they have a really shitty O-line and no running game. He could overcome no running game in the past by uh, hitting his big bombs, but uh, if I was reading or, or watching some of those reports correctly, that he spent most of the pre- of, of the preseason yelling at his new receivers and telling them how they're yeah. not good enough. So it, it well, would not got, appear that it's, it's going to be much rookies. success tomorrow night. They've yeah. got two rookies, a third rookie who he really liked, who uh, got hurt in in the last preseason game. So he's on uh, he's on IR. They've got uh, two other guys who they uh, they drafted that that, that Equimenius Saint Brown, I believe, is his name. If I said that right, and some other guy's got another you got like right. Scantling something or other, another guy. And basically, their number one receiver is Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is not a number one. Devontae Adams is too high and too low, too hit or miss. Drops the easy ones and then goes and makes the circus catch. But Devontae Adams is not a number one receiver. Randall Cobb is like a slot guy who's probably now going to have to split out wide. You're probably going to see Jimmy Graham split out wide a whole hell of a lot more than Randall Cobb because Jimmy Graham can't block. I just don't like this matchup, especially against a top-tier defense. Now, the question is, can the Bears score enough? Well, that's the thing that I'm wondering about is Matt Nagy gets uh, his first crack, and he held Mitch Trubisky and the, the Bears targets pretty much out of all preseason action. So all that practice time is great, but they didn't really get any game time. So that's the, right. the big question is how effective they're going to be. Are they going to have their timing? Uh, but I think they they might have some success because they're coming against the Packers uh, pass defense, which is oh, no yeah. great they shapes. Get, and oh, they, oh, they're oh, running oh. all these corners out there, uh, all these rookies uh, at cornerback. And we'll see. They're supposed to be good, but we'll, we'll, we'll find out, I suppose. So the Packers give up the booty in the passing game. That That is for sure. And the Bears come out with that two-headed running attack, too, with uh, Howard and Cohen. So it, it could be a very compelling game. Now, I was at the Thursday night game last year 
when the uh, the Packers played the uh, Bears. That that was off. That was that was off the rails quick. I think I had the Bears. In that game. that game was like fourteen nothing with like hmm. thirteen minutes to go in the first quarter. Yeah, I do remember that. That was that was like a quick Packer touchdown drive, and then Trubisky got strip sacked like on the very next play in his own territory. And the very next play was like a Packer touchdown. So I'm thinking, you know, the Bears, the Bears got the defense, and they're going to come up here, and they're going to, you know, bear whispering and all that. That was like 14 nothing, and then the game was over. It's all over. So there's nothing that says that it couldn't go that way. I don't expect it to go that way because I just, I. I Again, what scares me a little bit more about the Bears is the same exact thing that we talked about in the preview show that scares me about the uh, Ravens, which is they completely blew up their entire wide receiver depth chart. Their top three guys, both of those teams, were are, are new. So it's the first game. You probably haven't a whole you haven't had a whole lot of preseason because it practices. I don't care. It'd be practice. Coming on, not the game. I'm talking about practice. Practice. Man. Yeah, not the game. So it's a lot different when you're playing against, you know, the seven-on-sevens or a scrimmage a little bit on your defense. It gets real game situations. So is Trubisky going to have any rapport with those three new guys? Is is Flacco going to have any rapport? It doesn't matter how good the quality is of the guys. You know, Trubisky has the advantage, unlike uh, Flacco. Flacco's got to take those three new guys and try to shoehorn them into a game against a really good pass defense. Mitch Trubisky actually has the advantage because the Packers pass D is guys are all in the wrong spots a lot. You've got a lot of first year and second year guys. I mean, at least Ladarius Gunter isn't there. Well, I'll at least give them that. (laughs) Ladarius Gunter, when he goes to sleep at night and he closes his eyes, he still sees Julio Jones. Yeah. So the Packers at least were wise enough to get rid of him, but you can't just keep throwing top draft picks after nothing but corners and safeties and just like kind of hoping they pan out and still end up every year with like a 22nd, 24th, last year, 26th ranked defense. So Aaron Rodgers, I think was masking a lot of their defensive deficiencies by being as good as he is. But I expect this to be low scoring, um, kind of ugly, you know, in a lot of defense, at least from the Bears' side. So I think that the Packers will overcome the defense. I don't think they're going to lose, but boy, this feels doesn't this this just feels to me like seventeen thirteen or something really ugly like that. I got the Bears twenty to sixteen. Wow. Okay, so you got them even winning. That that would be mm-hmm. huge upset because you know, and I I told you I was down on the Packers this year. Oh, I yeah. believe I had them in last place. I had Mike McCarthy getting fired. If the Packers lose here, their next game is the Vikings. Ooh. So this is almost, I hate that. You don't want to say a week one game is must win, but if the Packers lose and then have to follow that up against the Vikings, and those are both at Lambeau, if they lose them both, that's bad. Mm. That would not be a good situation to be in, especially that especially that I expect the Vikings to, to handle the 49ers. This could go south for them really quick. Not be a good way to start the season. Right. So I Um, I, kind of have them split in these first two. I'm not like one of these people who loves to pick games a week in advance, but I wouldn't be terribly shocked if they lose to the Vikings next week. So the other games that we kind of skipped and and rapid fire through, 
Uh, do you have yeah. any thoughts on Seattle and Denver were uh, against each other on that one? You're going with the, the veteran experience of the Seahawks, even though yeah. you have them taking a big step back uh, during the season. Well, I think I've got them in last place in the division this year too. <laughs> uh, but that's, you know, again, like I said, it's, it was the devil I know, you know, it's that whole saying, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to just go with familiarity here. Now where I'm scared with this pick is that, that Denver defense, that Seattle O-line. Russell Wilson's yeah. going to be running for his life. But Russell Wilson tends to make magic when he's running for his life. That's when Doug Baldwin shines. So these guys just make plays out of nowhere. Russell Wilson can have those moments. And I have no idea what to expect out of Case Keenum. How is that offense going to look? I mean, he's, he's clearly got weapons. They have skill position guys. But I just don't know what I'm going to get. So this just feels like a little bit of that 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 Pete Carroll magic pixie dust that he just seems to sprinkle on stuff. Otherwise, it's if I mean, there's nothing that tells me that Seattle can't come out and look like a last place team either. I wouldn't be completely shocked if it goes uh, the wrong way for them. If Keenum shows up and he's balling, this thing's over fast. Well, that's what's so fascinating about the pick is I have Pete Carroll pulling out that rah rah powder and making something out of the Seahawks as the season goes on. I just can't imagine them doing it tomorrow, starting all these rookies in uh, in the defensive uh, front uh, back seven uh, at Denver, which is always a tough place to play. So I just can't see that. Uh, but yeah, we have different views of them as the, as the season wears on. So that, that's kind of fascinating to me. Yeah, this could go, if this goes completely Legion of room in the first game and you know, you've got, well, Sanders and uh, Demarius Thomas. You've, you've got these guys in Case Keenum all on the same page, and they're clicking. Oh boy, I mean, that's that could that could be that could just spell disaster because I'm 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 down on Seattle for two main reasons. I spelled them out. Their old line is junk, and their defense is a shell of its former self. But could it be that they? get a little bit of an ass kicking tomorrow and go learn from that. And, and Pete Carroll comes back oh, and yeah. says, okay, you, you thought, you know, you could do it in the NFL. You could do it at this level. Now you get a little taste of, of what that's about. Now let's, now you'll listen to me when I try to coach you up because now you see uh, that right. you're not all that you thought you were. Yeah. And it, it, it's true. And this is the hard thing about picking Seattle for me all year is because you have to sort of like try to pick and choose when you're going to get the, the good Russell Wilson that will just go ball out and he'll be scrambling for his life the whole game, but he's just going to make magic happen. Or are you going to get the Russell Wilson who looks completely clueless for like an entire game where Russell Wilson's going to go out and go 12 for 32 for 86 yards. I don't know which Russell Wilson we're going to get tomorrow, but I know who the Seahawks are and I just don't know who the Broncos. I know the Broncos have the, that top defense and I know they have a quarterback that I have absolutely zero faith in, who I think basically just captured lightning in a bottle. He did the like the kind of like the Nick Foles thing, and it all we watched it all come crashing down in that championship game. I mean, just a complete disaster. Yeah, it was it was looking good for a while, and then they went yeah. to Philly, and ooh. Yeah, and it wasn't even looking that great against the Saints. I mean, we can't help that the guy from the, you know, the 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 guy from the <laughs> that game was over. We can't yeah. help that the dude from the Saints just completely whiffed on air. 
and dove past Stefan Diggs and let him just, oh, what, what do I have here? Oh, wait, there's nobody behind me. I'm just going to walk into the end. The craziest ending I've ever seen to a game. Like, I couldn't believe what I had just seen. Total gift. So, you know, so Case Keenum should have, they should have lost that game. And then in the next game, that was the beginning of the legend of Nick Foles where he went on that two-game stretch that was just completely unbelievable. Yep. But you're wondering about which Russell Wilson. I'll be looking for the good one uh, when when they're back at home. It's just the sort of the law ah. of averages. I'll be looking for him to yeah. pull his magic out. Uh, but to do it at Denver versus Von Miller, uh, that's a little too much for me. Uh, then we had Dallas and Carolina. We both uh, took Carolina. My yeah. dis- distrust of, of Dak Prescott and Jason Garrett and everything Cowboys is, is legendary, so I don't necessarily have to get into it too much on that side. But uh, but we're both going with uh, the sometimes erratic Cam Newton. Yeah, it, you know, do it. Boy, this is this is not a game of trust. I'll tell you, this is not a pick of trust either. I have no clue. I mean, we're sort of sitting in cop out territory here, right? Is this a three? This is this is a cop out yeah, line, right? Uh, no, yeah, two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah, it's pretty close to a cop out. So you know, you can still get a field goal win, which I, I wouldn't be shocked by. So getting the Panthers, you know, if they they kick a field goal to win the game, you know, and, and they win by three. It's like, okay, uh, you take that one and you go, you run and you hide. I have no idea what I'm getting. I'm not that all. I'm not that up on the Cowboys at all. I know you're not a big Dak Prescott guy. I trust Cam Newton a whole hell of a lot more than I trust Dak, trust Dak Prescott. The Cowboys defense isn't that great. Yeah, they have the great Sean Lee. I get it. They'll get him for two weeks, right? We predicted this. <laughs> two weeks. You get Sean yeah, Lee because he's going to – that's it. Because they're going to get that chance to just like completely blow him in that second Sunday night game with Giants Cowboys, and then Sean Lee is done. Right, he's got to survive tomorrow. He can't blow out anything tomorrow, and every injury he gets is like bizarre. So he will get (laughs) hurt in some odd way, you know. Um, But it's going to be season-ending. Whatever it is, Sean Lee can't come back. Well, I you know, was. It uh, like can't just be like a neck stinger or something where he's out for a few, you know. It's going to be something catastrophic, and it's always different. It's going to look like RoboCop by the end of his career. <laughs> so I, I just don't know what it's going to be, but yeah, they've got him for one game, and they've got they've got uh, Demarcus Lawrence. They've got they can get after Cam Newton a little bit, but you know this is the this, this is, again this is a fresh Cam Newton. He hasn't had the whole season to get beat up and, and, and hit late and thrown out of bounds and all that stuff. And, you know, McCaffrey uh, really kick. I was completely blown away by what they got out of McCaffrey last year, both running and catching 80, 80 receptions last year. So th- that's going to play pretty well. He's got okay wide receivers. I mean, it's, but he's got you – know, Cam Newton's always just kind of needed guys, right? Yeah, he doesn't really – yeah. As you can, if, if you ask uh, Kelvin Benjamin, he doesn't really well, make much of of his receivers anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see what Nathan Peterman can do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Be careful what you wish for, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was I was kind of wondering about this game too and waffling back and forth, and so I'm going to wind up leaning on my uh, trend for this one because Jason Garrett doesn't get the Cowboys ready in week one. They're only one in three against the spread the last four years. 
And Ron Rivera, kind of surprisingly, is is pretty good with Carolina early, uh, three and one against the spread the last four years. So that's pretty much what I'm leaning on for Carolina there. That's fair enough. I mean, hey, we got a. It's week one. We have no idea what to expect. We don't know what the rules of football are anymore. These guys don't play in the preseason, so you got to fall on something, right? Don't know what a catch is. Don't know how you're yeah. supposed to land on a quarterback after you hit him. Yeah, don't know how you're supposed to tackle people. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, like two out of the three, like kind of fundamental things in the game, like catching and tackling. Don't know what don't know what either one is anymore. After that game on Thursday night. After that play with Julio Jones, still don't know what a catch is. Uh, a catch is apparently now it's going to be whatever the referee says it is, and, and it's not going to be overturned. Whatever the ref thinks it is, <laughs> that's what it is. Right, because if that had been called a catch, it would have been a catch. It would have, they, yeah, they would have upheld that too. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, and then uh, Rams in Oakland. I don't know if you there's even too much for you to get into. You just. It's stupid Monday night. It's the, it's the spooky football. game. Spooky. <laughs> it's a Halloween game already. <laughs> Pretty much. It's just some weird ass shit that happens in that second Monday night game. Nothing, nothing. It's a late kickoff. I mean, that's a, what's well, a, it's a 920 PM kickoff here, which means it's a 720 kickoff, which is still pretty late for a West coast game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that first game with Chucky, he's back. He's got he's got relative health now. Marshawn Lynch is nicked up, but Jalen Richard's a, a serviceable guy. If Marshawn Lynch is unable to be at full strength, um, what you know, I don't know how how geeked up the Rams are going to be. It's kind of like you know their first chance to get back at it since they kind of had that disappointing end to their season last year, and then he kind of just got held down completely by that Falcon squad, um, who's. Atlanta's defense has not been the problem. Uh, who would have thought I'd be saying that? It's it, it's the offense, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Are the Rams sort of that revelation? Are they going to be able to recapture the magic of what they had last year? I just think so. You know, just weird stuff happens in that game. You, you, well, you might won't be, be stunned if we're sitting here on Tuesday night recapping this, and that's exactly what goes down. No, I won't be stunned. Uh, the Rams may be equipped to overcome that silliness and, and – Beat the Raiders, the obviously the worst, the worser of the two teams, the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, Raiders might be of one of the worst teams in football this year. I mean, they're bad. Uh, the Rams, the Rams might be best equipped to do it for a couple of different reasons. One is just how young the core is and, and inexperienced. It's still so inexperienced that I think they're going to lose again in the playoffs. I still don't think they're ready uh, to make that next step up. But they're so young that they probably can overcome that craziness and, and silliness. They, they got everyone at their, at every key position is pretty much very, very young. Aaron Donald is like the old man of the defense and, and he's not very old. So the, everyone is just uh, going to be probably fired up off of that loss from last playoffs and, and, and really ready to start the season. Right. And number two is they're generally road warriors. Uh, anyway, if you count uh, the, the, uh, uh, were they in Mexico? Uh, I think one of their home games last year was was Mexico, or uh, uh, either Mexico or England. But uh, they had they had one home date over there, so I counted that as a road game. If you count that as a road game, the Rams are eight and one on the road last year. Uh, so they they're obviously doing their their best work away from home, and Sean McVay gets them 
prepared and ready to go uh, on the road. So that's another reason to, yeah. to like them to overcome that Monday night silliness. Well, a lot of that could also be due to the fact that the Rams just really don't have like a home stadium yet. They're more of the Chargers. Well, at least they're not playing in a soccer stadium like the Chargers. No, but the Coliseum, I mean. Yeah, it's a big grand on. place, and there's not a lot of people in it. Does it have a hokey sponsor name yet? I don't know. Is it like the is LA? it like Buffalo Wild Wings Stadium or something? <laughs> you know, I mean, because we can't just call it the Coliseum. We got to, or we got to call it the Coliseum sponsored by <laughs> the Pizza Hut Los Angeles Coliseum. I don't, I don't know. I don't think yeah. they have a crazy sponsor yeah. yet. I don't think it's going to be the Papa John Stadium. It definitely won't be the Papa John Stadium. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening. I don't think it's going to be the Nike Stadium either. <laughs> We're just checking think... off all the sponsors that they're not going to have naming for the stadiums. I don't think the NFL's uh, in love with Nike right about uh, right about now. <laughs> I don't think they're best friends. No, it's it, it, you know it, it, it's just okay, okay whatever. Yeah. I know it's just, yeah. it's just all that it's just all it's just all has become stuff. It's just more stuff. It's been a million memes on uh, social media making fun of that uh, commercial and that poster now with Colin Kaepernick. It's, yeah. it's like the funniest joke uh, anyone's ever heard to just make and and it, it's so savage. Like the way everyone is making immediate savage memes of it it's just uh, just today, I think I've seen, uh, I saw a Stevie Wonder spoof of it where it's all braille. Um, oh, I, shit. <laughs> I can't remember. The internet yeah, is just an awful. awful place. The internet yeah. is truly an awful place. I mean, I can't, I, I, again, my, my, my BS sort of like quote unquote news feed that shows up on my phone, which I still have never filtered, but because it's, it's amazing you know, how news stories are basically written by somebody which the news story basically goes like this so and so did blank twitter blows up and then like the whole news article is nothing but something somebody did and then all the twitter responses to what somebody did which is usually Kylie like Jenner more, showered her ass yeah. twitter explodes but it's like only it's like this whole article is maybe four or five like really just kind of like really nasty, really savage, uh, you know, tweets that somebody sent out in response to this. So somebody's That's job true. literally who works for this quote unquote news agency, their job is to basically just sit there and cherry pick the worst things that people say on Twitter and make it into a news story. That, that That's now journalism. No, as I said before, it's all of our faults are clicking on it. If it wasn't profitable and we didn't click on it, they wouldn't do yeah. that. And I have slowly begun not clicking on those articles. I, I, I learned my lesson early on that basically that was the whole article. Twitter explodes. You know, so and so did this. Watch Twitter react. What do you mean watch Twitter react? Like four you picked four really nasty ones without swear words in it that like, ah, look at me. I mean, the whole point of Twitter is for somebody who's trying to be like the smartest person in the room, or any of them now. Pretty much. So that, that's fine. That, that's what it's all become, you know. So yeah, it's not shocking to me that that somebody took that, you know, that that ad campaign is like, oh ho ho, look at how this like we could make jokes about this. It's like everything now. Just everybody a comedian now. 
But you can't make actual yes. jokes because you might offend somebody. Well, I mean, I, I still think that you can just do and say whatever you want depending on how you handle the blowback. Some guys and, and girls still say whatever they want because they don't care about the blowback. It's only the people that are just so scared of the reaction and they, they're, they have to protect their careers so they don't want yeah. to say anything that's going to possibly lose them a sponsor or lose them a gig yeah. somewhere else on Saturday Night Live or something like that. If you're not afraid of the blowback, you can still do and say whatever yeah. you want. But just the fact that there is blowback. <laughs> you know, it's well, like, there's, blowback, there's, yeah, there's blowback to everything. Yeah, but now, but now, as obviously as we've always pointed out on on this show, it's just it's more amplified now because everybody has a voice. So now, if like five people say something on Twitter, it becomes a major news article and a major publication. It's it's Twitter blew up. It's a different time. (laughs) It is. It really is. So so everything has now got to be approved and sanitized and you know and, and don't 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 hurt anybody's feelings or make a joke or oh boy. Okay. See like me, I don't give a shit. See, I don't care about the blowback, right? I don't either, but we don't have anything to protect. That's true. We don't have sponsors. We don't we don't have you know, I'm not like we're gonna do like you know, a blog talk could be like we're gonna pull your show. What? Oh, oh no. Uh, Oh, okay. Uh, I guess we'll go find a platform that works. <laughs> <laughs> Zing! <laughs> Boom! <laughs> They're going to cut that out of the podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. episode. <laughs> it's going to get not... to that thing. We're going to go... <laughs> There's no way they're letting that pass the uh, whoever's editing. Oh, the censors? That's all right. The censors are going to get us on that one. Twitter explodes! I I don't remember exactly what, but there have been lines that you dropped and lines that I dropped that did not make it to the podcast. Oh. So somebody listens to something. Well, they can't be swear words. No, no, it's not that. There wouldn't be much of a podcast if they cut out this. Basically, we're just a pick show that swears. That's really our hook. That's right. Come listen for the different ways we're going to cuss. Explicit. Come get your NFL picks. Explicit. And say, fuck you, Matt Ryan, for screwing us over. What the fuck? uh, He he was bad. He made me, like, worried for the Falcons this year. And he played better for Nick Foles. He played better than Nick Foles. Well, Nick Foles was bad, but he's supposed to be. Right. He's Nick Foles. Matt Ryan just got paid, right? Didn't Matt Ryan just get this huge contract? You can't play like that with the, you know, when you just got paid, and you've got Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu and Calvin Ridley and Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman and a decent tight end. You cannot have all those weapons and suck that bad. You can if you're afraid of letting you know, go of the ball is what it seemed like. I'm like, uh, Christ, if, if I'm going to get this, you could have put pick six Matt Schaub in the game. <laughs> the automatic touchdown for the other team, Matt Shaw. He, oh, he's got to be a, a future Hall of Infamy inductee. Matt Schaub? Oh, my God. That streak that he went on. What was it, like four or five games in a row where he threw a pick yeah. six? Here's another one. There they go yeah. the other way. <laughs> yeah. I'm already, I am already working. I've already got a pretty decent-sized list ready to go for next year for Hall of Infamy. It's crazy how we have how many years in a row we've been doing this, and we're just, we're not running out of people. 
Matt Schaub is not on my list yet, so you, that may be one of yours. You might have to put that one on your list. I, I, I hadn't thought of Matt Schaub. Might have to go on my little envelope I'd put, sitting right here. I'd put Ty Detmer in before I put in Matt Schaub. Oh, the NFL record holder. The seven-interception game. That's very infamous. That's that's worse than Peter. That's a, that, that's a 40% more than Peterman in one game. Who also may be a future inductee, yeah. though, the way he's hey, playing. Hey, I, I guarantee you in this game against the Ravens that Nathan Peterman's going to have a very high completion percentage. I just can't guarantee who it's to. Somebody's going to catch it. Someone's going to catch it. He throws that thing out there. Someone's grabbing it. Like I said on the last show, the guys yeah. holding up the sticks on the sideline better be alert because they might catch I, the ball. I, too. Yeah, I'd be a little bit more worried if that was Ed Reed and some of those uh, – you know, really good corners. I mean, Baltimore's always had pretty stingy defense, but I'm just, I don't know. I've got a weird feeling like this is the kind of shit that the Ravens pull. They they, they do this. You know that. I know they do. I know. This, and this would be perfect because everybody, and I mean, everybody's like, it's Nathan Peterman. How in hell could they give him the job? You said on the last show that uh, about lock of the week that I was locking up Atlanta. What? Nathan Peterman's playing this weekend. How can you like him in Atlanta? Because <laughs> I was I mean, beating you. Going, you. you go I and baited you, see? I did. I had that well, all along, too. I, I, I saw that, and I was like, this is too perfect. Well, if he screws you, then that's all That's all on He's you, not, eh, It's one loss. He's not screwing me. I tried to – I picked, <laughs> I picked the Ravens to Raven. I mean, this is what the Ravens do. Raven's going to Raven. It's so Raven's. So not only is it is like a really funny nickname for what they do, they live up to it. Unfortunately, well, time and time and so time many again. times over the years. <laughs> Did, uh, who? Oh, what was the game? Uh, well, I remember they had the one where you were just like completely dead certain that they were going to like suck in that Ray Rice game when he first came back. I'm like, no, they're the Ravens. They're going to ball out. <laughs> and they did. Uh, they're distracted. They're, uh, they, yeah. they're, probably playing the, they're probably playing the Steelers, like a really good team, but the Steelers yeah, still they play down in their competition. They had no business beating, and they just went out there and beat them. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, those are two different factors that I didn't take into account is the Ravens doing what they, they're not supposed right. to do because that's what they do, and the Steelers playing down to whoever their competition And it was is. Thursday night football, which is always sort of that, like, weird, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you always usually got to roll with, you know, like you said, you roll with the home teams. And last year it was really random. Right, but that, no, I, you you got my memory jogging now about that specific game. I remember I was in a bar watching that with uh, oh. uh my wife and her uh, her maid of honor, and her maid of honor uh, Judy, who happens to be like the world's biggest Steelers fan, like she literally has like Steelers yeah. decals on her car. And that was so. a Thursday night game, right? Yes, yeah, we were having yeah. dinner watching that one, and I'm like, oh, Ray Rice, uh, that whole drama's been going on for the past week or so. That team, the Ravens have not had their mind on anything uh, pertaining to football. They've been so distracted by the Ray Rice stuff. There's no way they're going to come out and have anything against the Steelers. And they just whoop their ass. Yeah. So so it's not always that the Ravens raven in bad ways. Sometimes they do it in good ways. But it's almost always the exact opposite of what you expect. And it all – wraps up and winds up in 
eight and eight and nine and seven. Pretty much. <laughs> I got them in last place this. I've got a lot of previously good teams finishing last this year. And I have them winning the division, so go figure. Yeah. But I it, honestly, it's a wonder. But uh if the if the Bears beat Green Bay, that goes so far towards putting them lower and really end up towards the bottom of that division because there's a really good chance that they're 0-2. You don't come back from that. Not when they're 0-2 at home and in the division. Yeah, most teams don't come back from 0-2. You're right. Statistically, that's that's almost a... It's, it's hard. It. They still talk about with uh, uh, amazing uh, sounds in their voices, people still talk about the Cowboys team that started 0-2 because Emmitt Smith was holding out for more money, speaking yeah. of holdouts. Uh, and right. then he signs his deal, comes back, and they actually go and win the Super Bowl. Like, it's really, really rare for a team to start 0-2 and, and win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, didn't we, had the, we had that Seahawks team that went 0-2 because the Cam Chancellor wanted to get paid. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he got paid. And maybe Steelers we'll see go 0-2. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Steelers go 0-2. Maybe, we'll maybe let, let <laughs> but, you know, know, when – when, 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 what's his name? Con- what's his name? Is it John Connor? James, Is he the- James Connor. It would be better if it was John Connor because that's like <laughs> the guy from the Terminator. Right. No, you know? no. Yeah, John Connor would be tons better. But no, it was, there was a player for a while named John Connor in football. I'm sure there was. It's like a fullback or something. But okay, yeah, so if this Connor guy goes like 19 for 42 and, and the Steelers lose. Le'Veon Bell's getting paid. I don't think so. I think the Steelers no. organization is because yeah. it's when you think about uh, when Antonio Brown was was dicking around yeah. and holding out, and eventually they paid him. It was such a big deal was made of that because the Steelers don't ever do that. That was like they really went against their normal policies to give Antonio Brown the money, and of course he deserves it because he was. He's probably still the best wide receiver in football. He's the best. Yeah, I mean, Julio Jones is is up there. But Antonio Brown is, if he's not the best, he's number two. He's a game changer. For the Steelers organization to turn around a year or two after that and then give the money to Le'Veon Bell, people that I read that have some insight on it more and more, it feels like he's never going to get that money from the Steelers, that they're eventually going to just – like trade him or uh, or else he's going to sit out for the full eight weeks uh, until he has to come back and play or else he'll lose a year of uh, over, uh, against his contract. He has to be back by, I think, week nine. Um, it sounds like he's going to either uh, be holding out that long or the Steelers are just going to deal him. I don't think they're going to give him the money. Okay, so what does it take? What does it take to get Le'Veon Bell? There's probably six or seven teams right now that could throw – a number one, or you know, throw a decent pick after this. I mean, there's teams out there that need a running back. I don't know what Green, the, the Green Bay, Detroit. Well, Green Bay doesn't trade. I, they don't make trades. I, I know, but I'm just saying. If, if, if you just saw that the you just saw what the Bears did. If That's what I was about to say. Are, I don't know how why much. Why is the their phone not Max blowing trade, up? Yeah. San uh, Francisco. <laughs> They're in need of a back right now. That's that's for sure. Um, yeah. So I don't I don't know if uh, the, does the Khalil Mack move mean that you have to throw two ones for Bell? 
or because uh, I, I don't think anyone. I, I, I love Le'Veon Bell as well, but I don't. I don't think I want to throw two ones for him. Uh, Khalil Mack is a different story because he can really uh, affect the game all by himself, whereas Le'Veon Bell is more dependent on if he gets good blocking. If he doesn't get good blocking, he gets bottled up back there, and he starts right. dancing around trying to find a hole, and it, it, it gets ugly sometimes. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, it, of course, the market is always whatever somebody will pay, whoever's willing uh, to, to pay for, for Le'Veon Bell. That's what the market is. So I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to shake out. Yeah, plus also Khalil Mack being a linebacker is going to have a much longer shelf life than a running back who's been overworked. Yeah, Mack's got a chance to still be around doing this at 33, 34, 35. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell will already be on a, on an island by then, guaranteed. Yeah, if, if Le'Veon, when Le'Veon Bell comes back this year, if he comes back, and everything says that if he wants to get paid anything, he's got to come back by week nine. Otherwise, the Steelers don't have to pay him. Um, so if he comes back even to work half the season, and he's going to be there for half of the season. He's going to get the Joe Madden on a roll Chapman treatment. <laughs> going to use his ass up. <laughs> right. They're going to run him until his legs fall off. There's a 10th carry in a row for Le'Veon Bell. Boy, he's really being, <laughs> being He's going to there. set the record in eight games for carries in the season. That would be funny to watch uh, if, if Ben Roethlisberger and, and the Steelers offense turns into just hand the ball to Le'Veon Bell all the time. I, I wonder how that was going to go it, over. You know what? Actually, the funny thing is, is when they get away from doing that, they kind of suck. <laughs> Which is so strange when you think about that Steelers offense with Roethlisberger and all the talent they have at the receiver position. If that team can't run, they're terrible. Yeah, Ben has to stand back there and just sling and sling and sling. It, 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 it's hit or miss. They they it's a statue. He, he doesn't. He just but, takes but so much punishment, but he is erratic. His accuracy is not good. That, those, both of those games they played against Jacksonville, especially that first one, wasn't that the one where he was throwing all the picks? Yeah, like five. I think he did a a, a Peterman. He had like five interceptions. Yeah. Terrible game. They got just destroyed, and then that, and then in the. Uh, playoff game, they they didn't particularly acquit themselves very well. So against a really good de- and and this is what scares me a little bit tomorrow for, with Cleveland and why I took the Browns is that Browns defense is is sneaky good. Yeah, they're they're not pushovers. They they're very no, Miles Garrett and you know, some of those guys yeah. are going to be coming after him. Not like you don't know where he's going to be, and if they cannot run the ball. If, if baby Terminator back there, whatever the hell he is, <laughs> he can't get it done. Yeah, you, threw out, Connor here. you threw out some big numbers when you're talking about how many wins you think the Browns might get this year, and I'm pretty sure it's more predicated on the defense than anything else. I said five or six. I, I, I don't hate that offense. If you look at that offense on paper, it's not terrible. It's, it's decent players. Tyrod Taylor is not a terrible quarterback. They have three – Decent running backs. We don't know what Nick Chubb is going to do at all, right? Right. And they have decent receivers. Jarvis Landry, Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon's good. I know, but I don't put any stock in him being able to stay on the field for more than a game or two before yeah. he as has long some as he's sort on of field, issue. Be on the field in this game, and that's all that matters. Yeah, but how many balls will be in the air in this game? Apparently, it's going to be a monsoon out there. Yeah. That'd be fun, though. 
which is funny because it's just like perfect fall weather here right now. I think it was like 68 and sunny today. It was a beautiful day. Oh, well, you, you, sent, the rain, yeah. you sent the rain clouds from last show. You sent them down here because we've been thundering and lightning all day. Yeah, well, we got just uh, like the deluge um, couple this last like, there was a, about a four or five day stretch. We had floods and we didn't even have the bad ones. When you get down, uh, when you got down into southern Wisconsin, you got down like by Madison and La Crosse and some of those areas, they were having like massive floods. We had flood warnings, but we never really had anything too bad overall. I got a, a flood little... warning uh, on the phone during the show down here. Well, you don't want to, yeah, you don't want to be by the Mississippi River though. I'm getting flood warnings. Well, we don't live anywhere near there, I know. but I know if you if you have if the Mississippi River makes it by you, that's the apocalypse. <laughs> you're probably a good twenty five miles from the river. I was just about to say it's got twenty miles to go before it touches yeah. me. That's the uh, apocalypse. <laughs> but it's not uh, it's not that far from my job, and I still remember ah. uh, about three four years ago, maybe five years ago. Yeah. Um, it, it was really bad and the, and the river rose and all around the city of Memphis, uh, all of a sudden you started hearing reports of snakes appearing everywhere because the river yeah. had rose so much sure. it just kept kicking critters up uh, more and more. We had snakes in our at our job uh, on the grounds there in the, in the business office. Uh, I think somebody saw a snake in the bathroom in the ladies' room at our job. It was, uh, it was an interesting spring that we had about, f- about yeah. five years ago. Would you work at Target? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, so you got that one. I like that. <laughs> uh, we, uh, uh, we worked just, at yeah. Target. Hey, hey! Twitter explodes. Twitter just exploded. <laughs> Twitter I made a transgender exploded. joke. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Somebody saw a snake in the woman's bathroom. Come on. No, not a trouser uh, snake. No, if we... Oh, uh, okay. If we worked at Target and we saw a snake, we'd just get one of the many firearms that they sell and, and take care of that. Oh, I don't know. The, I don't think the Target here sells guns. I have to go. Oh. No Walmart Every does. Everything down here sells guns. Every There's so many oh, gun okay. shops. The gas station. Yeah. You know. Uh, I'll, take the Glock. I'll take a pack yeah. of Marlboros and, uh, you know, just give me that 357. $20 on pump three and, uh, and that 45 there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take that Beretta. I'll take that nine millimeter. Yeah, and uh, a pack of smokes and uh, some now and laters. Are those still a thing? Can you still buy now and laters? Or did I just completely horribly date myself? I can't speak on any kids' candies. I have not bought any in years. I don't know what's ah. still out there. I don't know what sells. I don't. I, I, I haven't. I, I know nothing about the kids' candies nowadays. Some, some nerds? Can you still go get some right. nerds? I don't, I don't. I don't know about the nerds. I don't know about the the sweet tarts. I don't know about the lemon oh. heads. I don't, I don't know about the sweet any tarts of that. are still around. Sweethearts are still around. Like Laffy Taffy's still around. Oh God, that just got in your teeth forever. The Laffy Taffy. Oh, that was the Nowen Laters. Those just got like those would dig into your teeth, and they couldn't get them out. They became like yeah, part those- of your teeth. Yeah, those were hard to chew, but the Laffy Taffy was easy to chew, but it, you couldn't finish yeah. it. It was just, you just chewed and chewed and chewed. Yeah, and, and they had like flavors on the pack, but they didn't taste like anything like the flavor. <laughs> that was always what was weird. It was like the apple didn't taste like apple, and the banana didn't, no. definitely didn't taste like banana. 
So they didn't, but they had their own flavor. So they just, it's like, okay, if we just call it something, people will think that's what it is. Yeah. And that permeated throughout all the candies because artificial banana flavored in, in any banana candy. Banana the tasted, worst. Tasted the same. And it was yeah. nasty. Yeah. Like banana shakes didn't taste like banana. Like banana, nothing banana really ever just other than a banana. That's about the only thing that tastes like a banana. <laughs> well, it's a problem if you have a banana shake and it doesn't taste like a banana because banana shakes supposed to actually have banana in it. I well, it depends think. on where you get it from. Is uh, it a mix or is it real bananas? The, I only get like real bananas in my banana shakes when I get okay. a banana shake. I don't get artificial flavor banana shake. At least I don't try to. That's a what different, were we talking about? That's a different shake. Uh, kings of non sequitur. What were we talking about? <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, yeah. If you if you if you had anything uh, that you wanted to talk about, uh, you can go right ahead. Um, I I only have one small little story that I wanted to talk about. Oh. Yeah, no, we haven't, you know, it's been, we, we've been so, like, sports heavy. It's like, wow, it's just been sports, 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 sports. So we haven't really gotten into anything outside of that um, for a while, which is actually, it's kind of, it's kind of refreshing. <laughs> yeah, we were very football intense just so much stuff go, Yeah, everything kind of like current events type stuff just feels like it's like more of the same. It's like Groundhog Day now. It's just like, you know, it's just like the same thing every day. So yeah, I, I agree with what, that. What's the, what's what's the outrage of the day? What did Twitter explode about today? So that's that's pretty much the news cycle that we're in now. What did the idiot president tweet about this morning? Like who? who something. Cares yeah, anymore? it basically just becomes something like that. Hey, again, don't click it, right? No, I don't. I don't follow him on Twitter. I don't look. Yeah. At, I don't read the stories about what he says because I don't give a fuck what he says. Right. Know? You know, uh, anyway. it, but it's no different. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure tomorrow morning I'll get up and like Trump will tweet something overnight, and I'll get up in the morning and there'll be an article on my phone that said Trump tweets out something. Twitter explodes. Uh, yep. You already and there will be there will be eight responses from people saying something snarky, and that's a news story. There we go. I just predicted the. I just predicted the future. Again, it's all our faults for clicking on it. Yeah, so that's why it's like just just don't do it. Uh, so started our bowling league again. Um, oh yeah. I don't know how I'm still this inconsistent after all these years of bowling. I have no idea what I'm doing out there. Uh, this is this one took the cake. I'm not sure if I've ever had this big of a disparity from one game to the other. Uh, this past Wednesday, I started in we in the first game. Uh, shooting a 201, and in the second game, I shot a 115. Now, how the fuck do you go wow. from a 201 to a 115? I have no idea. And yeah. then in the third game, I managed to throw a 160. It's just I, ah, so frustrating. When you put the ball on the lane and it goes left and left again and left again and left again, so then you move over like one board to the right to adjust, and it goes straight right right down the yep. lane with no break at all. It's like, oh, come on. It just makes you want to just pack the ball up and go home, you know? But anyway, um, so there's that. Uh, 
the Memphis Redbirds uh, clinched their division for the second year in a row. I was there for that game because it was the last game that I had scored for uh, Baseball Info Solutions this season. And I, my snarkiness and my uh, need to always be correct uh, came out at probably the worst possible time as far as timing goes. Because what happened was they clinched the division and the electronic board up uh, in, in left field flashes uh, 2018 division champions. They left out the second I. They spelled it wrong. It's, it was the Vizun champions the way they had it up. Oh, the board. no. So everyone, everyone's celebrating and going crazy, and, and everyone's happy. They, they, it was a very exciting way that they clinched. They were down in the ninth inning and got a base hit to tie the game, and then the center fielder bobbled, so the other runner came flying around and hustled got a hustle run out of that and that's how they won the game so it was uh, pandemonium excitement everyone was happy and of course i'm noticing the uh the vision champions on the on the board so what happened was um one of my fellow scorers bob came down at that point he had been attending the game uh with his uh with his son and they were sitting in their seats, but he came down after that game because there was going to be fireworks after the game anyway. So they were coming down just to get uh, better seats. So Bob sits next to me. And at the, at the very moment that Bob starts uh, trying to relay the story to me of all the turmoil and trouble that he had been going through because his mother recently died. He actually had canceled scoring a game, and I had to go pick it up for him, or actually uh, somebody else volunteered, uh, because his mother was in hospice. And this was a couple weeks before that. So now he's explaining to me that whole night and and how she had, you know, really crashed, her health had really uh, failed, and she basically died very quickly after that. And he's explaining this horrible story to me. And I'm trying to be understanding and uh-huh and yeah and, and all of that and trying to, you know, give him an ear. But at the same time, I can't help myself. I got my phone out and I'm trying to get the right picture of the board that says the Vizun champions so I can tweet it to the Memphis Redbirds and just say hashtag spell check because I couldn't help myself. I could not pass up oh. the opportunity to troll, basically troll the Memphis Redbirds on Twitter and yeah. let them know, hey, idiots, you got the thing wrong on the scoreboard. And uh, I, they must have seen it. It, it. it may not have been my tweet. It may have been a lot of other people noticing it and telling them, but they did take that down like a minute after I tweeted it to them. But it, it was just uh, – I, I noticed myself being – uh, such a, a a butthole, basically, uh, as this guy is is pouring his heart out about his mother and, and how slowly that she was passing away on him. And I'm just sort of, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. And, and I'm just doing anything but listening to him because I'm trying to get this picture lined up just right. Uh, so that's me. Uh, that, that that's, that's the type of person I am. I'm a bad guy. I admit it. And uh, <laughs> if, if, if Bob is somehow listening, I sincerely apologize. Division champions, I like it. Mm-hmm. Division channel, I, I believe I got it on on Twitter, and it's it's one of the few pictures that I have up there. So I, I probably should just make it my profile picture because it's yeah. it's a perfect example of of who I am. Yeah, I, I always love when I see. I always love when I see the, you know the the weird like logos, especially like you see them all the time now, like on the bottom lines on TVs, or when you see like the 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 misplaced. Um, headline, you know, 
Yeah, a lot of typos out there. Yeah. Yeah, or like, you know, I sent you the one that time about the Rick Neuheisel one and the logo on the top or the banner across the top of the screen said, good fit for beavers, question mark. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. And we had the tin cup whiskey one, which was like really bad, where it was like something or other sponsored by tin cup whiskey. Oh, like a college football or basketball show it, sponsored yeah, was, by alcohol. It was something weird that, like, this should not be sponsored by booze. No. no. And it was. And I remember taking a picture of that and sending it to you. It was something I remember on MLB Network, but I wish I could. I still have the picture somewhere, but that one's, like, you know, way somewhere in a in a file somewhere on my computer that I'd have to dig up and find. But, yeah, I love it when I find those those little like, – or, or just something that's spelled completely wrong or something that makes no sense or a stupid stat that's like, well, that that's not right. Yeah, yeah, but if someone's pouring their heart out about their dead mother to you, that's probably no. not the right time to focus on that. No, probably not. So I don't know if we're going to get sniped here or if it's going to let us keep going. I have no clue anymore. It's Blog Talk Radio. Who knows? Yeah, uh, we so can, we can, it's 11 o'clock and we're still talking. Yeah, uh, we, I was about to say, we can sniper ourselves. I'm pretty much finished. Yeah, now, now I'm done. <laughs> I use that all the time now. But it no, won't work. I don't... You, now you can't click it, right? No, it shows... Oh, wow. Okay. You have to play that at the end of every show now. Literally a second before it told it tells me that you've dropped and it ended the show. Oh. And now I can't click it. Literally a second I'm, before. I'm I'm still here. Yeah, you haven't dropped apparently. So I don't okay. I don't know. No, it it, it it's uh, I'm good. Rent, time. It's time after after, after show, bed. folks. After after show, I gotta go. To, I gotta work tomorrow, so I got a lot yeah, of. I, I got, I got, I got, I got to, I got to rest up because I got red zone tomorrow and there is nothing that makes me happier than when the Packers play an evening game and I get five hours of red zone at work. That, that eight or nine games that I'm going to get tomorrow from noon to three with nothing but just back and forth and red. Oh, it's the best. That's a hell of a way to get paid. I got to admit. Well, if I'm watching that, I, will, I am not getting paid, just to clear that up. Oh. So if I'm watching the red zone, I'm not getting paid because that means I am not doing my job because I have nobody to, you know, <laughs> no one to assist. I have nobody to work with to help me make money. You're not making sales. I, I understand. Yes. But because the Packers play tomorrow evening, usually that means I'm a little bit more occupied, but there's just, there's just having that red zone on. All you got to do is you glance up or you hear something. They're always going to something. There's something always happening. Something always getting you know, getting highlight of. It's just, yeah. There's a split screen. They'll have like two different teams in the red zone at the same time, and they're going back and forth. Ah, uh, man. It's See, the only way to watch football. I, you are not alone in praising red zone. It just, to me, I'm so easily distracted that I feel like, I have to watch. I still have to watch games the old-fashioned way, which, which is one at a time, because I'll miss something. If I'm if I'm looking oh, at anything sure. else, I get distracted just at home with one game on. If my wife says, "Come here, I, I need you to take something down out the closet," I come back and somebody's <laughs> scoring, and I'm like, "What did I miss? Oh my god!" Yeah. So I I can't even watch one game without a distraction. And then having multiple games, oh, I I, I would completely miss something. I have to go back and watch the whole game over again. So I, it would yeah. be lost on me. 
And usually, like on my Tuesday nights before the recap show, whether we do it on Tuesday or Wednesday for the recap, it's usually Tuesdays. What I, I will then go through, like once my kids go to bed and then between then and the show, is I will go through and I will watch more standard highlight packages, especially for the games that I really didn't get a chance to catch anything sort of depth-wise with the Red Zone. Because you actually do, even though they're doing a lot of jumping around, they really don't let you miss anything. You do get a you do get a really good sense about what's going on, and if there's nothing happening, then they'll just put on a game. You know, if there's something or like when the games go to halftime, they'll just you know there's only one game live. Well, let's watch that until everybody comes back. So, I don't know if you've ever actually watched it, but no, I don't think I have. I, yeah, if you should I definitely if you like have the opportunity. Yeah, if you have the opportunity to try it sometime, it is it, it it's just something it. it like all those years when I had the, the the package, you know, the football package, and I was like, oh, well, now I was doing the red zone because I was just there with the remote, <laughs> flipping right. back and forth, and I was like, oh, I don't need to do that anymore. And I always had a knack for switching to a game like right when something good was going to happen, but it's just so much nicer when you can just get this big chunk of games. And I don't have, you know, the, my my team already played and lost on Thursday night, and the, the local team here isn't on, so I am going to get like overloaded with football tomorrow. So I'm going to really love it. So I'm excited. Uh, it makes a difference when you're good at flipping with the remote. Cause my knack was, uh, if I was watching more than one game, my knack was, I was great at flipping to a game right after something important happened. And I had no oh. idea what it was. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you flip over and there's an extra point being kicked and you're like, what happened? What, what, hey, what happened? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. I'm out of here. Uh, are you good for Tuesday night uh, for the recap? I am, or is it going to be- I am good for Tuesday night. 9 p.m. I should be perfectly fine. Sounds great. Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Central for the week one recap, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and everyone is excited for football tomorrow. No one more so than you. You just basically gave a an unpaid endorsement of Red Zone and, and spent five minutes about it. And I'm sure they're very happy about that. I'm very excited about football tomorrow, watching it the old-fashioned way, just one game at a time, and watch DVR, the, watch the Titans. whatever game. Watch those Titans. Watch that Titans-Dolphins yeah. game. Enjoy. Oh, enjoy. <laughs> I don't envy I you. It's it's NFL football. I'll find a way to That's enjoy it. At least I'm not in Cleveland. <laughs> hey, that might be an interesting game. It's going to be a spectacle. I'm curious. We'll put it that I'm, way. I'm just yeah. curious. I'm more curious about Cleveland. It's sort of that morbid curiosity, you know? Right. No, I understand. All right. Yeah. We're out of here. He's Jay. I'm Dre. This has been In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Enjoy your football, and hopefully our picks will go much better than Thursday night. Fuck you, Matt Ryan. We're out of here. Bye. <laughs>